Here's a tale of two students, both working adults. He commutes to college before and after work, carrying all the baggage that goes with it. She goes to Independence University, and Independence University goes with her. It's online, so all she needs is a connection, and anywhere becomes her campus. He's getting a degree, but he's also getting majorly stressed out. She chose Independence University online for a better life offline. Visit independence.edu or call 800-370-1077 today. Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Geconia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Everybody in Gecko Nation, it is May 17th, 2015, and uh, got a great show planned tonight uh, for all you Leopard Gecko fans out there. We have one of the queens of Leopard Geckos with us tonight, Mrs. Marsha McGinnis from Golden Gate Geckos, um, a true gecko aficionado. She has done a lot of great stuff in the gecko community, um, just refining lines and helping people and just all kinds of good stuff. Everybody loves Marsha, and um, we're happy to have her with us. She's uh, been on the show a bunch of times, and if you guys are interested in um, hearing some of her past episodes, definitely check out our archive, okay? We have, uh, I don't know, two years' worth of shows now for you, all right? And also, I'd just like to let everybody know that tonight um, we're going to have the phone lines open for you, okay? we got a lot of great... Uh, discussion topics in the group, but we're going to open the phone lines also for people that want to call in with their questions, and uh, we'll probably start taking calls maybe a half an hour or so into the show, okay? So uh, if you guys call in now and you want to listen to the show, the number to call in is 646-478-5331. If you actually want to come on the air with us and ask a question or uh, pose a discussion topic, press 1 after your call connects. This way, I'll see it on the switchboard, and I'll know that you want to be brought on the air. If you just want to call and listen, don't press 1, and I won't uh, bring you live on the air. But uh, there's somebody I'm going to bring live on the air right now, and that's my co-host, Mr. Tim Walton from Slice of the Jungle. What's going on, Tim? What's happening, Dave? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm in a good mood today for some reason. So uh, maybe it's because of our guest, Marcia. I haven't talked to her in a long time. So, uh, yeah, you, you make it's going to be fun. You, you make a living with these wonderful leopard geckos. How could mm-hmm. uh, every day not be like this? Well, let me tell you, I love being able to work with these animals, but lately I have been having some issues with my asthma. And, uh, you know, you normally I can usually push through with my asthma, with the medication and everything, and that's because I'm allergic to the to the worms and whatnot. But because of the seasonal allergies I suffer from, too, all this pollen right now is really kicking my butt. So I've actually been having some hard time breathing the last couple of weeks, which has been slowing me down, and um, I haven't been in a good mood because of that. But I don't know. I'm feeling in a good did mood the, tonight. <laughs> did the rain help with with the allergies? Helps a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. That's why I think I'm feeling a little better today because it rained last night. You know, so I'm thinking that helped me a little bit. But, uh, yeah, imagine being allergic 
to the thing that you're really good at. <laughs> I mean, is that is that a joke or what? I mean, if there's a god if there's a god up there, he's definitely playing a joke up. I mean, seriously. <laughs> but uh, anyway, all's well. Um, I think I think maybe you should try switching your uh, your mealworms to a gluten free diet or something like that. Maybe that could uh, well, help you out. No, that's a good. That's a good idea. That could be. I don't have them. Well, for, I did switch from mealworms to superworms. I actually use uh, mealworm-sized superworms, as many people know, and um, they're basically they're very similar. But with the superworms, I don't have to keep them in a wheat bedding. They can survive um, in a thin layer just with themselves for quite a long time, and they don't pupate, which is great. They don't turn into pupil or beetles. So you know, if I don't use them right away, they just get a little bigger, which is no big deal. Um, I feed them monkey chow, which is comes in like little blocks, and you know I spread that out through the, the bin. I keep them all in um, uh, concrete mixing tubs when I, you know, before I use them. And I put organic carrots in there, and and the and the monkey chow. So I don't know. I'm sure the monkey chow isn't gluten free, gluten free, but um, you know it's not like I'm giving them straight up wheat brand, you know. So yeah. it's definitely a it's definitely a bit of a conundrum that I've been trying to figure out here to fix this. You know, I was even thinking of um, and I was going to run this by you. I'd like to in, invite a couple um, entomologists on the show to actually discuss insects in depth and perhaps delve a little deeper into why some of us are actually allergic to some of these insects because, you know, it's it's definitely affected some of the some of the best breeders in this thing and uh, several had to had to leave or have to have been hindered by it so much that you know it's really really affected them. I've I've made a pact that this is either going to kill me or I'm going to figure out a way to get over it because I'm not going to stop doing this. So <laughs> that's a it's one of those that's things. a really one of those. that's a that's a really but, good idea. I I uh I haven't uh, thought about that before, but I know who our first entomologist will be. Okay, good. Well, don't announce it yet. We'll we'll, we'll make it a, a surprise. And if you know somebody that would be good for this, we'll you know let's definitely get that scheduled because I think it's important. I really want to you know even if it comes down to you know trying to breed this out of insects somehow and create a hypoallergenic feeder insect. I mean, would that be awesome? For for you, it would be. Well, it's not just me. I mean, I could name a few for, people for right all, off the top yeah, of my for, head. For everybody that's allergic, yeah, that would be that, – that's exactly what you need. That's that's important because, uh, I don't know, I have so many great plans and ideas that I'd like to do with my projects and, you know, to have this, uh, you know, occurring all the time, it, it, it's a downer, man. But anyway, I'm strong and I've, uh, I push through it no matter what. And uh, all right, well let's uh, let's move on. Um, you know, speaking of information and great stuff about animals and reptiles and geckos, especially, we want people out there. Uh, we want you guys to, especially new folks and seasoned folks, we want you guys to be able to have your questions answered and uh, find reliable information on husbandry and whatnot. And uh, of course, our show is great. We've got a lot of great uh, shows in the archive on different topics that you'll definitely uh, benefit from. But in the meantime. I want to direct you guys to a great forum for all your questions. And what is that forum, Tim? Head over to geckoforums.net. That's right. They've been going since 2006. There's a lot of great 
archival history there on morphs, how they were made, and all kinds of interesting stuff that you guys can look up and get reliable answers to your questions. All right. Um, another thing is, if you like what we do, do here on Gecko Nation Radio, our affiliate Herpentine Radio is excellent. They've been going for three years now, and uh, you should check them out on Blog Talk, uh, Herpentine Radio. And uh, we also are uh, going to be having another affiliate, and uh, we'll probably talk more about it next week, but they are, they're specializing in uh, focusing on corn snakes and stuff like that, another show. So, and that's run by Nikki Winterberg and uh, I believe somebody else. Maybe it's her husband, I think. I'll give you guys more information about that soon. And um, I think it's called Corns. Instead of Corn on the Cob, it's corn, Corns on the Blog, I think, or Corns on the Pod. I think that's the plan on words they're going with, like podcast, you know. Um, so maybe look for it. I think they did an episode already. I didn't get to listen to it yet, though. So, uh, right. Okay, yeah. That's it. All right, I got everything out that I needed to do. I'm sorry I forgot about that raffle from last week, but I just posted it in the group, and Brian was the caller uh, on the show with the Knowles. He's the winner of the $100 credit with Ron St. Pierre. All right, so check that out. And, uh, Brian, if you're listening, just hit me up on Facebook, PM, and I'll get you in touch with Ron so you get your credit. All right, cool. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up, Tim, before we uh, take a quick sponsor break? Nope. Let's uh, let's over, head over to the sponsors. Cool. All right. Uh, also, folks, we've got two new great sponsors. Uh, actually, three, kind of. Two, mm, yeah, it's two and a half, more or less, because Sea Serpent's Hotbox Incubators have merged into one company. So um, check out, if you guys are looking for, you know, really good racks at reasonable prices that are that use the best heat tape, which is Flexlot, of course, made in America, check out SeaSerpents.com. And their incubators are built the same way. Uh, really great construction. Um, they use that black vinyl that everybody likes, and um, uh, you know, just really high quality. That lights inside, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of perks with these incubators. Really nice ones. Check out HotboxIncubators.com. Either one of those sites will take you to the same place, more or less. All right, so uh, check them out and. Also, if you guys are interested in promotional materials or any kind of stickers or banners or anything you need for your business or just for fun, uh, check out reptilestickers.com. And on Facebook, check out Happy Gecko Sticky Situation. Uh, that's our other sponsor, Rachel. Um, and she's, she's just doing a great job, very talented artist. All right, cool. And here's our other sponsors, which is great people, great businesses. And uh, mention Gecko Nation Radio when you... Uh, Patronize them. They'll take care of you. We'll be right back. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit reptilesexpress.com and become a member today. Longhorn Geckos is a father and son collaboration. Daryl and Cade Burton specialize in the best supertangelos, pastel raptors, white and yellows, and really nice wild types. Follow them on Facebook at Longhorn Geckos and on their new website coming soon. 
Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at Expos in the Northeast. He is also the owner of geckoforums.net. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need, from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. All right, folks, we are back. Um, Tim, there's just one thing I wanted to bring up before we go forward, I, I, and I was reminded because we're still playing the Rep, uh, Reptiles Express plug, and um, I'm going to play that probably, you know, this may be the last time, we'll see, uh, depending on what's going on with the situation. As many of you guys know out there, um, our beloved Debbie Price um, is in a state of flux when it comes to Reptiles Express. She, she's always been there for us with our shipping needs, and... Um, I've never seen such a great uh, amount of support for for someone in the community as I have for Debbie. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, all the parties involved are good people. Uh, you know, the people that, you know, run Reptiles Express with Debbie, they're all good people. Um, I, I just want to hope, I just hope this whole situation works out with all of them. And I think we'll know in a few days or probably this week what Debbie's uh, future is going to be. And um, I'm hoping she stays in the shipping business because we've come to really rely on her. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. All right. So uh, thoughts are with Debbie. And I know you guys created a Facebook group and everything about that, which was really cool to see. So, all right. Let's go ahead and bring on our guest, Mrs. Marsha McGinnis from Golden Gate Geckos. And before I bring her on, I just want to say, that um, when I first got involved with leopard geckos, and as many of you, you know, new folks out there are finding, uh, you're gonna, you'll, you'll meet some breeders out there that are um, always willing to help you and, uh, you know, give you your start with knowledge and whatnot, and um, basically being selfless about it. Because in a sense, this is kind of like a business, and a lot of times when you're selling geckos, you create a little bit of competition for yourself with your customers. And if you look at it that way, I don't really look at it that way all the time, but, um, you know, Marsha is certainly not someone that did that with me. And uh, she was really cool with me when I first started and very patient. And I was like a lot of you new folks out there. I really wasn't knowledgeable about genetics and whatnot. I mean, I had the husbandry down pretty much, but uh, the breeding and genetics, I was still learning a lot about. And she's definitely one of my mentors and someone to help me out immensely. So, Let's go ahead and bring her on. Marsha McGinnis from Golden Gate Geckos, your live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hello. Hi, Hi. How are you? I'm 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 doing. <laughs> I know. You had some issues recently, huh? Oh, recently and ongoing, but um I don't give up easily, so I'm pretty tough. Me too. That's, you got us. Good to hear, Marsha. Hmm? That's good to hear, Marsha. How how are the geckos doing? Well, the geckos are doing very well. Um, this is the probably the first C 
season in uh, t- over 20 years that I have not done, a, a, you know, I haven't conducted a full-blown, you know, breeding season. So wow. it's it's kind of strange, <laughs> but in in a way it's it's okay um, because I don't know that I could keep up with three or four hundred geckos anymore. <laughs> wow! I just I didn't do any pairings. Day. I just couldn't do it. Huh? You didn't do any pairings at all? Um, a few. Um, I'm trying to focus on my um nefer or excuse me my underwoodosaurus milii. And my banded geckos, uh, because I kind of let them get dwindled down, and then I, I come to find out that I, you know, wasn't holding back what I needed to keep the, to keep them going, and um, so I'm 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 going to continue working with them because I just love them. Um, I did I did give up all my other Australian gecko projects. No more Amy A, uh, no more Levis, no more Wheelerai, uh, no more African fat tails. Um, so the only Aussie species I'm now working with is um, I'm trying to keep my ultralight line alive. And I'm hoping that um, as I make this uh, transition into retirement or semi-retirement right now, but that um people will keep that that uh project going because they're just so spectacularly beautiful and uh i i just i'm very proud of them and i just really i just really think they're cool um and the bandits gosh i've been working with them for so long and of course i have a a a, um, a collection of them that are uh california they're they're california native so i it's i cannot breed or sell them but they have are just delightful little pets and they're just kind of like a miniature um leopard gecko i mean every single thing about them their care their husbandry their environment their breeding their feeding and everything is just just like i mean it's exactly like a leopard gecko only they're teeny (laughs) they're just little things and uh so as far as the leopard gecko projects, um, I do have quite a few requests um, for Murphy Patternless, uh, which I did not breed last year, and my sun glows. And uh, uh, I hope that we'll later in the show that I, I did see somebody pose a question about um, about sun glows and what is a true sun glow and what isn't. So. Maybe we can go into that a little bit later, um, but um, I'm, I, I've got um, I've got three only three hatchlings <laughs> and about oh, wow. six eggs and about six eggs incubating. So, um, well, you know, I have all this some spare of time. Some of, this, some of this, some of us saw this coming with you. You know, we talked a couple of years ago too about you know you sending down on some of your projects and um, you know. I know myself and a couple other breeders are working on your pure patternless and your sun glows. And, uh, you know, I'm just honestly honored to be able to keep that going because if, if anybody knows me, I've said it many times, Marsha's sun glows are probably the best sun, Tremper sun glows I've ever seen. And most of us can agree that they really are the most colorful, 
uh, trim for sunglows out there. So to be able to keep oh, that line going thank, pure. Yeah, thank you. I'm very proud of them. It's yeah. an honor. Yeah, and, and, and your pattern lists are amazing, too. Your pattern lists have some just beautiful coloration to them. You have tangerine and tail and everything. I mean, how many years you know, do you think and you that, and that, that is not uh, – a, a lot of people have thought that I crossed them at one point with carrot tails, which I did not. Um, mm-hmm. I, they, they haven't been crossed with anything. Um, it was just a matter of selective breeding and um, holding back the best of the best and crossing them with parallel lines. In other words, I would have two groups. I would have two two breeding males and his um, females, um, and I would breed the offspring from group A to group B and then from group B to group A. Uh, so that way I could at least try to keep the gene pool a little more, um, a little uh, not, not as shallow as it, as it seems like it is with a lot of morphs. But, um, but with me cutting back, uh, I no longer have any parallel groups. Uh, so, but I have two little female, gorgeous little female um, uh, sun glows. Right now, they're about 10 days old and eating like pigs and pooping like just, it's just unbelievable. And then the other hatchling I have, David, is is a great or granddaughter to you. Um, I, I have a um, Mac Raptor Giant male. Mm-hmm. And head for, and, you know, he's a Mac Raptor uh and I, um, let's see, what else is he? A giant. Okay. Anyway, so I bred him to the little gal I got from you, who is a, um, a Mac Fascio Het Raptor. Right. I know exactly the one I'm talking about. And she is just, uh, she is, last year she was my most prolific breeder, and it was her first year. She just, just did great. And I oh, got wow. everything from, I, I got I mean, I got such a, a plethora of genetic combinations out of that pairing. Um, I, I couldn't be happier. So I have a little um, eclipse right now with solid white feet all the way up to the elbows and a big white nose. I have yet to decide if it's a Mac or not. Um, not sure yet. It, it looks like that it little, could be a What's that? That little female... That little female um, I I took one of your Mac fascias, Mackie fascias, mm-hmm. and I crossed, cross, I paired it with um, a really, you know, my my I call him my champion male because I use him for most of my raptor projects. He's a JMG line Max Snow reverse stripe raptor, and nice. he actually he's beautiful. He has a beautiful reverse stripe, but he also has these like five additional stripes that go. He's got the reverse stripe in the middle, and then he's got two little stripes on each side. So it almost looks like he's got five stripes. And wow. this guy, he produces amazing raptors, reverse stripes, all kinds of jungles, like just crazy bold stuff. And, yeah, so I'm not even surprised that you got some really cool stuff from that. Oh, pairing. last year, it was just like, it was just, it was like Disneyland every time a, a you know, a clutch hatched. Like, it was just, and, of course, some, sometimes you can't tell what they are when they first hatch, but um mm-hmm. it was it was pretty cool but this one little female the other egg was infertile uh it was her first clutch uh it has is trying to be a 
the one the one I have now is trying to be a uh, reverse stripe. Mm-hmm. But so far, I don't see any, you know, xanthism or anything in, in in this gecko. It's just pretty much, uh, I thought it might have been a super snow at first because it was just so monochromatic. But as it's growing, um, it's changing. But I still don't see any yellow at all in this little animal. So it may very well be a Mac eclipse. So yeah. that would be fun. Um, but other than that, that's uh, that's all I have on the ground right now, so to speak. Um, and I just I miss I miss having all those babies. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Well, all these babies are great, but geez, they can when you get into the hundreds and hundreds of them, it gets a little crazy, don't you think? I mean. Oh yeah. Oh, there's no way. Well, I I mean I've had to have an employees. I mean you know an employee to help me and stuff back back in the day, and now, since I'm not selling geckos, I'm not making any money. Not that I was then, either. <laughs> but, um, you know, I can't. I, I would only have to rely on, you know, uh, the benevolence of, uh, you know, a, a, mercy, a, a mercy employee or whatever. I don't know, but <laughs> dream on, right? <laughs> well, I'm thinking about bringing somebody in to help me. I've, I've talked to a couple people that I feel I can trust, and um, – you know, it's just too much work for me to do all the geckos and everything else in my life that isn't gecko related. So, you know, I hear you. Like, I I hear you. It, it's um, yeah. you know, I'm going to be 61 here in a couple of weeks, and I I'm feeling it lately, and it's just it's just time. I'm 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 not trying to fool anybody, especially myself anymore. I've been in denial. <laughs> so yeah. So oh, anyway, that's think. that's kind of it. I I I only have let's see twenty uh, twenty six breeders, leopard mm-hmm. gecko breeders. Uh, I have probably a, uh, twelve one geckos that I will never ever give up. They're going to just stay with me for the rest of their days. And my oldest gecko, uh, Libby who came from uh, Ron Trimper in 2000, in the year 2000, as a baby. Uh, back then, they were marketed, at, he marketed them as tangerine albinos, or, what, or, or quote, TAs. And she, I still have her, she's 15 years old, over 15 years old, doing very well. And she was the the grand dame, so to speak, of um, the tangerine uh, trimper project that has morphed into, you know, what you see today uh, that that I call that I'm calling my sun glows. So um, they're never. She's not going to go anywhere. There's just no way she's she's going anywhere. So. Um, I have dissolved the business as of January 1st this year. Golden Gate Geckos is no longer a legitimate, quote-unquote, business. I am now a hobbyist, just like everybody else. I still pay taxes and all that kind of good stuff. But but no more, you know, um, no more, you know, bureaucratic BS, you know, as far as trying to run a business. Also, the last show I vended 
was last August. I believe it was in August. Was the uh, the Reading show where I sold my all but one of my Nature Spirit incubators. I sh- I sold all of my acrylic show displays. I sold mm. all but two of my um, AP adult racks and all but two of my AP hatchling racks and all of my controllers except for the three um, Herbstat fours that I have. So, mm-hmm. And that included hides, bowls, tubs, you know, iris tubs and everything. So wow. <sighs> that was tough. Yeah. I can imagine. I know. I don't know what it's going to feel like when I have to do that. But I have well, a feeling I'll die before time my gecko. And yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> but well, we got a lot of great uh, we got a lot of great feedback, Marcia, in the group uh, with for your show today. A lot of great uh, questions and discussion topics from from people that you probably know too. And um, you know, uh, cool. we could certainly yeah. Let's uh, let's delve into some of that. Also, I want to. Let everybody know again, just to remind everybody. Um, you know, tonight we'll do some. You know, we'll, we're going to open the, long, the phone lines for you guys. Okay, so um, the call in number is six four six four seven eight five three three one. If you want to come on the air, call that number and press one after the phone connects. If you just want to call and listen on your phone, you can do that too. So just call the number. But if you actually press one after it connects, I'll know that you want to come on with a question. Okay. Um, you know, we can actually, we have some callers on the line right now. You want to take a couple calls? Wow. You bet. Sure. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead. The person has been on the longest. Um, let's see. Caller from the 469 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hello. Hi. Who's this? Hello. This is Jacob. How are you guys doing tonight? Hi, Jacob. Good. How are you? Oh. My basic question was just like, what was your basic care on hatchlings? Like, what what was their tub set up? What size was it, and everything until they were a full adult, and then you switched them over to a bigger tub. Well, I use six quart, uh, or the equivalent, I, I would say, of six quart. I don't know if it's an actual six quart because I use iris tubs, and they don't always go by. Tubs, uh, tub capacity, I don't think, but they're, it's, you know, it's, a, it's the equivalent of a six-quart tub. Um, I use uh, paper towel substrate for the hatchlings, and I use those brawny pick size because the, the half of the, you know, the, the little single sheet it fits in the bottom of it, like, perfectly. Right. Um, also, I have a whole bunch of... Uh, Back in the day, let's see, Neodacia, Neodacia, or what Neodacia used to produce them, um, they were extra small creature cubby holes. They're little black rectangular hides with an opening in them um, all the way up to, you know, I use them for uh, even for my snakes, the great big ones and everything. But these, they quit making those a long time ago. So um, eventually, when I'm through breeding, I will be probably selling all of them, and I'm telling you, they're the perfect size for babies. Um, I put a small container or small water in there that's uh, so shallow that it that they can't drown. And another, uh, and I use an actual size food bowl. 
Uh, and the reason I do that is because I want them to get used to using the bowl that they're going to have through throughout their uh, stay and growth uh, here at Golden Gate Geckos. So the what I feed the babies, of course, once I see their first little poop, um, then, um, I, of course, I keep uh, calcium powder in the food bowl. But of course, uh, I uh, I I count out uh, small little mealworms, and I count out you know maybe less than a week old dubia roach uh, dubia roach nymphs, and I okay. keep them in that bowl. So uh, and by counting them, I'll know if they're eating. Now the bowl is pretty big. The babies have to get actually almost get in it, um, which is fine. They they figure it out. They they do. And if I have one that is kind of a slow starter, then I'll take a few worms or some dubia and just kind of like throw them in the hide or just let them run around to get their feeding response going. And generally, that's plenty. I keep them in those until they're about 25, and in some cases, when I was really overloaded, 30 grams, and then they go into um, larger uh, tubs, which would be the equivalent of 15 or 16 quart tubs with larger hides, but I, t- I transfer their water and, and food bowl into there, uh, as well as their paper towel, even if it has poop on it, I'll put it in there so that they'll get used to and acclimated to the uh, bigger tub size. And that's how I house all my adults. So I use the iris, um, the animal plastic iris, um, I guess are they 375s? Uh, can't remember, but uh, uh, I really like the iris tubs, by the way. I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a plug for that because First of all, they're they're not as tall as as they're not as high as um, some like Rubbermaid or Sterilite, so you don't lose a lot of vertical space. And since they're you know they don't need a lot of vertical space, but the and the walls of these tubs are almost straight up and down, so they don't go at an angle where the top is wider than the bottom. So you also don't lose horizontal space that way. And then the bottom of the tub doesn't have a groove all the way around it where, you know, where feces and bugs and things can get, you know, stuck down in there. It's completely flat. And on each of the four corners, there's a tiny little, probably not even eighth of an inch L-shaped standoff on each corner of the tub so that the tub never, ever sits directly on the uh, heat source. So that's and they they thrive and I haven't heard too many people complain about um, you know the robustness of my my geckos. So right, that that's that, that actually helps me out a bunch because like it, for me, considering that I'm only 16, I've just gotten a job and stuff like that. You know, getting a really nice rack is kind of expensive for me. So oh, yeah. what what I had a friend do for me um, was he went and he got me the three drawer system from Sterilite um, to use, and I'm like, well, isn't that going to be a bit too big for the adults? And he said, no, nah, it should be fine. And I noticed that my adults they start they'll stay in just one area of the tub and they won't go anywhere else. And I'm <laughs> yeah, you know, they, I'm they like, can I, get I, kind of complain. How are you heating that if it's a drawer situation? Do you have are you using back heat? 
Um, actually, I've put, I've taken shaving, I've shaved off part of the underside, so that way the tubs can just kind of hang, and then I put a poster board underneath it, and I use a belly heat system for that. I've got FlexWatt underneath it. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So I kind of improvise on that, because I didn't want to take a chance of somebody getting out or burning themselves, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Are you, and and what kind of controller are you using? Uh, right now, it's actually a um, Zilla, the, the, one of the cheap Zilla controllers. Okay, that's fine. But do, uh, do you have a, a laser interferometer, a, a temp gun? Uh, yes, I do have a temp gun. Excellent. Okay, so it really doesn't matter, uh, you know, as long as you can hit that hot spot with your temp gun. And, of course, the, the the majority of them, mine's a Raytech, so it's accurate a little farther out, but most of the ones that are out there, the closer you get to the heat source to measure, the more accurate it is. And so you can make adjustments um, accordingly based on what the what the actual reading uh, floor temperature is. Sounds sounds like you got a good good thing going on. Uh, yeah. So far I do. I mean, this is this is my first season, so... <laughs> So far, it is. I mean, my female didn't lay her eggs, but three hours ago. <laughs> oh my goodness! Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying That's to think. Pretty Dave, nice. Yeah, Dave. You know, this is like my second clutch. I don't know if you got the picture that I sent you of the first baby that hatched. Um, I get so many pictures sent. I, I believe uh, you sent me a message on uh, PM on Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I believe I did. Um. But uh, yeah, just send it again if I if I didn't respond. I get so many messages. Right, right. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> With you being like one of the biggest leopard gecko breeders in the U.S., well, I mean. <laughs> well, I'm not the biggest. Definitely nowhere near the biggest. I, I just may have a, a little bit of a presence out there, but yeah, I'm definitely not the biggest dude. But you know what? It's um, I don't know. It's I don't want to get it. Any, any, I don't think I could get my operation any bigger right now. Anyway, so. This is as big as I'm gonna get. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but you know what? I, and you know, speaking about your rack, it sounds like you got everything set up great. Um, I, I've used those Zillas, uh, thermostats in the past, and just to get me by, you know, while I was uh, either saving up for Herbstead or whatever, and you know, they work out pretty good. But I noticed that they're not always that accurate with the temperature. So, um, in the future, if I were you, I'd upgrade to a to a Herbstat just so you have more uh, more peace of mind, yeah, like better. That's what I'm currently Better doing. I'm that. saving up to build my own rack right now because I noticed that if uh, I order from somewhere else that um, it is going to be a little bit more expensive. But I did mm-hmm. take a woodshop class in middle school, and I built my own little cage for a chameleon and stuff like that, and I thought it was actually turned out pretty good. So I think I'm going to try to make my own uh, rack that way I can just Listen, my first part. rack was a homemade job that I, that I hounded my husband to build, and it was the ugliest thing <laughs> I've ever seen. But uh, what was funny is that I gave him all the dimensions to the, I mean, to the 16th of an inch. Okay, and for some reason, the man didn't think I knew how to measure. So... He did everything exactly right, except for the height, bet- the, the distance between the uh, the shelves, because he didn't think that oh, I yeah. that I put put in the calculation, uh, you know, the 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 tiny amount of gap that you need. So he added an extra, you know, like quarter of an inch. 
Oh, Lord. <laughs> and the whole thing was like, oh, my God, now what am I going to do? So I had to <laughs> shim uh, with extra boards <laughs> that entire rack, and that hopefully that taught him a lesson because he, he I keep telling him, I know how to measure. I know what 3 is, and I know all that kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, 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 sure you do. But anyway, I mean, he it was all in good spirit. He built it. It worked out fine. But, boy, was it an eyesore. It was a big old ugly thing. And, and um, uh, But it, it served its purpose. And then I finally started buying com- a commercial, my, my first commercial rack, uh, a hatchling rack from AP. And uh, from then on, I was uh, – that's all I've ever done business with. So I can't comment or – or or anything on any of the other suppliers out there because I've just been you know so happy with AP they're not the cheapest but they're right. they're really well made and I know that there's some really good people out there now that are doing you know some excellent racks but AP has done all my caging as well for my uh, chondro my green tree pythons my uh, carpet pythons and everything else so it's I'm a I'm an AP person all the way so right. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I was actually pretty sad to find out that you guys closed down in January. I'm just like, ah, I wanted to order something so bad. <laughs> well, I still have I I still have a website. Uh, I'm gonna probably keep it up uh, for another year or so. Um, we'll see. Uh, and I still have some 2014 geckos that are available. I just have not taken any pictures and posted. Um, you know, they're all adults, and a couple of females are even ovulating now. So it's like, okay, I got to get on the stick here and goodness, this late. And get those, uh, well, <laughs> this late? Oh no, my 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 geckos start ovulating around February and and finish up around September. That's that's interesting because I mean, I, I talked to a couple of breeder friends of mine, and they said, yeah, the season for them to start ovulating starts in uh, for us around March, and then it ends at June, and I'm like. Isn't that short? Isn't it supposed to be longer? Um, it depends on the female and how many you got. I mean, basically what happens is is, you know, all those pheromones hit the air and then when one or two females start ovulating, the rest of them start ovulating. So it's just it's like a um, virus. Yeah. It's a virus. <laughs> the, the ovulation virus, yes, and it's airborne. An airborne yes. virus. Oh, wow. I hope I don't um, catch it. <laughs> hey, Jacob, hey, Jacob, I have a little tip for you. I was just thinking, getting back to your rack thing. Um, if you're going to be doing the, and this may have helped your husband if, she, if he knew, uh, Marcia, but when you, I've learned a lot from building my own racks. And, you know, I, I love the custom-made ones out there. And someday maybe I'll, I'll redo everything. But right now I make mine kind of the way uh, Ron Tremper has his set up. You see that iconic picture of him in that long hallway. And I kind of make my yeah. racks like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of the things that um, I've learned is you need to build, you need to cut yourself a piece of wood. That it's, a, it's called a spacer piece. And the piece of wood has to be the exact uh, height of your of your tub plus a quarter of an inch. And mm-hmm. this way, when you go, and you make several of them. And this way, when you put the, the next shelf on top, you put these spacer blocks there. This way you'll always get the correct spacer. Always get them consistent. Yeah, that's a great idea. 
that actually yeah, helps out. out. That helps cool. out a lot because I, right now I'm stationed out of my room and I'm gonna try to make it at least as compact and dense as possible, but to hold as many tubs as it can. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, well, that's the whole simple. idea of going with racks. I mean, for years and years, I kept my geckos in twenty-gallon long uh, oh, breeder tanks. Uh, and in group, in breeding group. Yeah, that's a pain. Yeah, the butt, I, I found that out the things. hard way, the very, very hard way. I bought tank after tank after tank after tank when I could have found out. Hey, if I buy a rack, it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> well, well it, the whole idea is that you can, you know, fit more in a smaller space, but still, and and it, and actually, they're easier to clean that way too. I mean, you know, and, yeah. and I think yeah. that I truly think that leopard geckos do better if they're housed individually, because housing them in, in breeding groups is not without issues, trust me. So, um, but I labored over the decision to go to racks because to me it just seemed cruel. It seems it seemed like animal abuse, you know. Well, that's what I thought at first, and I tried to talk, and then I sat there and I'm like, well, it's actually not so bad because they're nocturnal anyways. They don't really need the tank. So, I mean, and then I tried to talk my mom into it, and then she's like, no, nah, that's cruel. And I said, well, look, if you go through all the research data and everything, it's actually a lot better. <laughs> mm. You know, they feel yeah. exposed on all sides in a glass tank. I don't think they feel comfortable at all, and I think they, they hide a lot more. When they're in the tub in Iraq, they feel more secure. It's more natural to them because they spend most of their time in really tight crevices hiding from the world. I mean, well, they yeah, really they, they actually feel safer in small. That's why, you know, you don't yeah. want a great big giant hide for them, you know, exactly. because they're, 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 they prefer, you know, a nice compact hide where they feel secure, you know. Exactly. I, I bring yeah. that point up at shows all the time when people, uh, you know, feel bad for them for being in the small cups and I, I always tell them that they they like to be in a small, tight area because then they know that a larger predator that wants to come eat them can't fit in there to get them. Well, that's uh, true. Yeah. And usually usually that shows they're more uncomfortable with the light rather than the size of the container that they're in. Well, yeah, it's mostly the light, but also the the chaos and the noise and everything is very, you know, is very stressful for for any... Any uh, any animal. I mean, I've bred, you know, AKC dogs and stuff like that, and we don't keep them in great big giant pens. We keep them in their kennels so that mm-hmm. they feel safe, and that's the kennel that they sleep in. It's not, you know. So it, it's, you know, it, it's just a matter of making them feel safe and also telling people that, hey, we don't keep them 24-7 in these little deli cups. Exactly. It's, they they don't live so in these things. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cruel, but you know, keeping them like that is actually uh, safer uh, for the gecko, um, right? And, and less stressful for them, especially at a show. Exactly, because I, you know, you got people walking around, and it's mm-hmm. kind of making them go, "What the hell's going on here?" <laughs> yeah, they're not used to seeing that that much activity, you know, so. Anyway, well, thanks for your call, and I hope uh, I hope your future rack and uh, endeavors uh, work out for you. And uh, you've got plenty of resources uh, on online on how to build racks. And David, mm-hmm. uh, other people who've built their own racks, um, 
you can glean some interesting and and you know comprehensive information from everybody and then come up you know with your own unique um extrapolating all all these ideas come up with the things that appeal to you the most and um would are the most appropriate for your needs and go for it exactly and yeah. with me being in Texas and so close to Ron and a couple of other sort of kind of big breeders out here it actually helps out a lot too. So I mean, yeah, I've got I've got a lot of great resources out here. Good. Well, and, and good luck in your future endeavors, and thanks for calling in. No and problem. Thank there, y'all. And also, there are the hides that Marsha was talking about. It might not be the same company, but there are uh, multiple companies that that make similar hides to that now. If um, I, if I do have kind of one more question. Um, oh, okay. I do Sorry. Have, I do, I, it's, a, it's perfectly okay. I almost forgot. Um, I do have moist hides inside their uh, racks right now, but are they really necessary? I took a look at Ron's videos, and I noticed that he really didn't have any moist hides in there. <laughs> you brought up a really good thing to talk about, because I don't use moist hides either. And m- most of the old the old, uh, I don't want to say old school, old, the classic breeders from, you know, way back. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we didn't have all the pressure on the Internet and the forums and, you know, Facebook and all that kind of stuff to adhere to, you know, a certain standard. Uh, there are people out there that say you've got to have a moist hide, you've got to have a moist hide, you've got to have a moist hide. Um, I have never used moist hides. The only time I use a moist hide is um, when uh, I have a gravid female who's about about to lay. Then I introduce the moist hide and put her in it, and then every time I walk by, I put her back in it, you know, and that kind of thing. Because one of the biggest reasons that female geckos... um, you know, have uh, problems with egg retention is for a lack of, uh, you know, an appropriate place to lay their eggs. Exactly. So I provide my females, and I, and even with as many as I used to have, I knew within, usually within two days, uh, when my, any of my girls were going to lay. And then once they laid their eggs, um, I'd leave it in there for the you know for the rest of the day. Uh, take the le- eggs out, leave it in there. Sometimes they like to stay in there, and then I would remove it. And so uh, it's kind of hard to you eat you can't do a dry hide and a moist hide in many tub type uh, uh, rack systems. There's just not enough room. Uh, to, you know, give the animal any chance to walk around and stuff. So, and I've had some tough t- some tough layers that just refuse to get in the, the moist hide, but, you know, sometimes I have to take out everything and just leave the moist hide and a water bowl in there to get them to lay in there. Um, yeah. But the other, the other thing is for shedding. Um, a lot of people subscribe to, you know, the necessity of a moist hide, you know, to facilitate shedding. That's what but I was I told tell- whenever 
I got my first one is they're like, okay, you got to have a moist hide for shedding. You got to have it for when they lay eggs and so on and so forth. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But now that I've seen at even reptile shows, they sit there and they take their shed off and they're completely dry in there. Yeah. Um, I, I can honestly say with the, with a small exception of geckos and stuff, my geckos have no problem shedding without a moist hide. Occasionally I might have to pick off a, a little piece off of a toe or, you know, something like that. But um, um, shedding, shedding uh, and calcium metabolism are both governed by the parathyroid gland. So the, the problems I've seen with shedding... Um, also, you know, they, I mean, just like any other living creature with a thyroid, we can get a thyroid deficiency. And then right. there are certain geckos that are prone to problems with shedding. Uh, and if that's the case, then by all means, put a, put a moist shed in there. But you know what? I've seen geckos over the years that, that are chronic, sh- you know, problem shedders. And, and being in a moist hide doesn't make any difference whatsoever. They still have adhered shed to the tip of their nose, um, around their vent area, especially toes, uh, and that type of thing. So it doesn't matter what I've got in there. They just are, you know, chron- they just have chronic shed issues. Right. So, Anyway, that's my t- uh, 10 cents on that, and you're going to find a lot of uh, old-timers that go, Moisite? I mean, we know what a lay box is, and we introduce it when the female is ready to lay, but a Moisite? Right. <laughs> and then there's, it's, you know, there's people out there that just shake their finger and say, you have got to have it. So right, right, I'm not going to say it's a bad idea. Right, because I went to Walmart and I got the um, Sterilite shoe boxes and I just filled them up with uh, Eco Earth and I sprayed it down and I'm like, well, wait a second. I started watching Ron's videos a lot, you know, because I want to get as much information as I can. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed, wait, there's no moist hide in there. Where's it at? And uh, I started watching them. I'm just like, okay, maybe I really don't need one. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna. It, I think I'm it really sorry, depends. I, I think it really depends saying. on a lot of uh, different things. Uh, you know, if if you know that the the humidity in your room is pretty high, or if you you know that you keep your geckos, you know, if you miss them a few times a week, um, you know, uh, in some of those cases, you're you're certainly not going to need moist hides. But in some parts of the country, you know, if keepers live in Arizona or something like that, where it's extremely dry most most of the year they're gonna probably want to have a moist hide you know a, a lot of times that's what i do I, I just keep um the the moist hides in if i'm going on vacation or something yeah and i'm not yeah. going to be around to, to miss the animals i'll uh i'll throw a moist hide in with them but um for the most part I, i'll just miss them a few times a week and for most of my geckos that seems to work fine so it really depends on on your setup where where you live and how you keep your geckos you know some people never miss their geckos so maybe those people want to have a moist hide in with their geckos so it, it all depends on kind of figuring out what works for you 
Um, mm-hmm. These animals are, are very adaptable, and that's, of course, why they, you know, why so many people are successful keeping and breeding them and, and why they they make such great pets. Right. Well, I mean, I started thinking here in Texas, we get more high humidity heat than we right. do anything else. And I started thinking, okay, moist tides in there, humidity starts coming in the house. Maybe that's not a good mix. So maybe if I take the humid hide out, it's still just about as equal as being in a humid hide, but yet I don't have to have one in there. And and, and that's why, you know, I, I definitely, you know, urge people to kind of check out their own. Even you could have a, a humidity gauge. You know, Absolutely. Yeah, I was just going to suggest that. Good suggestion. Yeah. At Home Depot and at other places because, you know, your oh, setup got... could be completely different to someone who lives right down the road who maybe keeps their air conditioning running in their house constantly, and that, you know, takes out all of the humidity, you know, in their, in their setup. Well, another thing, too, too, is that a lot of times people who don't live in areas where there's snow think that if there's snow, that, the, that must mean the humidity's high. That's wrong. Um, it, snow just literally saps the humidity, the relative humidity out of the air and makes it right. very dry, uh, so um, I agree. I think I think that uh, I have a you know I have a um, a temperature and humidity gauge uh, in the room uh, where I have all my animals and where I live. Fortunately, is a pretty you know steady climate uh, and my humidity runs about fifty to fifty five degrees or excuse me, 50 to 55 um, uh, year-round in that room. It, occasionally it'll drop down to 45, and sometimes it'll spike up to 60. But I don't, I really don't have shed problems. Uh, right. So, you know, if you, if you keep, you know, you keep the relative humidity in, in the room, you know, above 45 or 50, then you're, you should be fine. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for talking, cool. guys. This, all this information helps out a whole bunch. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in, Jacob. No problem. Didn't mean to keep you guys on the air for so long. Oh, thanks, Jacob. No. All right, cool. Um, I don't know. I, I think his uh, questions were excellent. and uh, you know, Me too. Don't worry about, yeah, don't worry about keeping us on the air. That's what we're here for. We want to be able to help you and everybody else out there. That's what we do. So uh, thank you, Jacob. Um, all right, we're at the halfway point, and I see we have uh, more callers on the line. We have another person. Whoa. If you're on the, if you're on hold right now and you want to come on the air, make sure you press one, so I know that you want to be put in the call queue. Okay, if you're just hanging out and listening on your phone, that's fine. Don't press one. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Hang tight, folks. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types. From white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. 
Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. Ron Tremper is the biggest contributor to leopard gecko morph making. Known worldwide for his amazing examples of living art, you can now download his Leopard Gecko Care app, his Morph Encyclopedia app called Leopard Gecko Pro, and visit his site, leopardgecko.com, to see where morphs are made. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit SupremeGecko.com for his available animals and supplies. ABDragons.com is your source for the highest quality dubia roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. ABDragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. That's right, folks. And with AB Dragons, um, we have a special coupon code for you guys, uh, for Gecko Nation Radio listeners. AB Dragons, use the code GECKO, all in caps, at checkout. You get 5% off your order every time, uh, specifically for all our listeners. And um, all right, well, we're back in the second half of the show. And uh, Tim had to had to take care of something, so it's just going to be me and Marsha for the rest of this time. Um, and of course, uh, we have another caller uh, online right now, ready to go. And I see other callers online. I'm not sure if you guys want to come on the air or not. If you do, just press one. All right, uh, Marsha, ready for another call? You bet. All right, cool. Caller from the nine one six area code. I think I know who this is. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Uh, that must be me. I know that area code. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hello, Marcia, my dear friend, and and David. Hello. Hey, Marcia. Um. Well, um, I've been working on building River City geckos for, I guess, uh, approaching three years now, and I've got my husbandry and my racks pretty much all installed and and uh um I've got a few pairs that are that are laying eggs and and then I have my emmerines that started late last last season so so I have a um a full season of of emmerines that are really beautiful and then I'm just starting the second season from the same pairing and also another pairing so that I can um, work two parallel lines of the amarines, like Marsha was talking about a little while, little while ago. Um, I'm really happy with the way they've turned out. I'm starting to post some of them on Facebook. I actually have some for for that would that would would be for sale, except that I don't have a website yet and. Um, I'm, I've, um, have, well, I've, I've got, uh, well, I don't have any that are for sale posted yet. I'm working on that. So, so I'm, I'm kind of, kind of, uh, that's where I'm at. 
Am I still okay. on the um, Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, I guess I, I I don't really know what my question would be right now other than maybe just uh, uh, suggestions on on uh, how I might proceed. I I I, I guess uh, uh, posting a, a few for sale on some of the um, um, some of the um, uh, I, I'm a loss for the word. Um, some of the the groups um, on Facebook, I guess, would be a place to start. Well, okay, I think that what I'm hearing is that you're you're looking for ways uh, to promote River City geckos. Yeah, is I guess, that right? I guess that's what I've got to start doing because I've been like ninety nine and a half percent focusing on you know, taking care of my animals, which is first job number one anyway. Well, yes, that's true. That's exactly right. But there comes a point when you're going to need to, you know, that anybody starting out who wants to take breeding seriously and whether they're a hobbyist or expect to become a business in the future, uh, you know, you have to, you know, do some shameless self-promotion. Uh, and but yet that 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 has to be in an in an appropriate venue. Uh, first of all, I would suggest getting involved uh, on as many uh, online discussion groups and social media uh, that's gecko related as possible, and chime in when people are posting things. Uh, keep your keep your you know keep your answers uh, f- you know focused on the question. If you post questions or post pictures to show off your geckos, which is perfectly okay. Um, I love sitting and looking at pictures. Uh, everybody does of, of people's geckos and stuff. But I think that uh, people need to know who you are. Uh, and that you are associated with uh, River City geckos, and the morphs that you work with, and a picture is worth a thousand words. Get your pictures out there of your animals, uh, and and be as um, and this goes for anybody else out there. This isn't just specifically f- to answer Mark's question or. Uh, whatever, but yeah. uh, you know, how do people get to know who you are? Uh, wow, uh, that's—I mean—that's a really complicated question. But I think that you can either come in like a bull in a china shop, and that's gonna—you're either gonna get some yays, but you're gonna make enemies. Uh, right off the bat, especially if you have some real opinionated type things. I'm very opinionated myself, and it's gotten me in a lot of trouble. But, but, the, but you know, it is just to ease yourself in, but but get yourself out there on social media. When I started, there was no Internet, okay? There just wasn't any Internet, and it wasn't until... You know, I actually got AOL 
on an old, you know, three three fifty six. I don't know whatever it was. Did, it wasn't even strong enough to run Windows. My my computer that I used and stuff. And Kingsnake dot com uh, started a forum on leopard geckos, and I was a slave to that forum. I was on there all the time, and by doing that, people started knowing who I was. I started knowing who other people were, uh, and it just flourished from there. And of course, then we went through the era of forums and leopard gecko, uh, or leopard or um, geckoforums dot net is probably the most comprehensive um, gecko uh, leopard gecko, especially forum out there. Although there is a few others too, um, I would get on there and peruse those kind of things uh and and see what people are ha- are, are asking what they're saying what they're showing um and now we have you know Twitter and Facebook and you know YouTube and David has David himself has really done some excellent uh promotion by his videos on um you know, on YouTube. Uh, I think it's a great way to, you know, draw in people who are of this new, newer generation that rely on social media to communicate. Uh, so I would say get your pictures taken and get them plastered on geckoforums.net, get them plastered on, on your uh your Facebook page, plaster them on Gecko Nation, which is uh, David's page, uh, you know, which is really, really uh, a very active social group, uh, so that people start learning to know who you are and what you have. And, um, and, And it's hard for people who don't sit and, you know, text all day and use, social media and things like us old folks do, you know, don't, I should say. Um, yeah, we're, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. You, you hit, hit it right on the head. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what? what, the way we're used to doing things was then this is now. And if people don't, you know, uh, adjust themselves and, 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 uh, you know, acclimate themselves into the new climate of people's, the way people communicate with each other, uh, it, it's going to be, it's going to be very, very difficult for people to know who you are, Mark. And, um, yeah. so, I mean, I've, I've seen your geckos. They're just magnificent. They're beautiful. And your husbandry is exemplary. And, I and, that. and I everything really else. But, well, you do. But the thing is, who 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 knows that besides me? Um, a, f- a few other people, but this okay. Is but are they breeders or are they potential customers? Uh, well, well, you know, uh, just other uh, uh, breeders like you know Steve Sykes. He's he's aware, and and uh, uh, Ray at Designer Geckos. Uh, you know, he he knows I adhere to high standards, uh, and I know Dave knows I yeah, yeah. adhere to high standards also. 
But yeah. are they? You need to target. You need to. You need to focus on targeting. Um, if if you're if you're wanting to, um, you know, sell animals, you need to, you know. And again, I am not. I'm the world's worst marketeer. I'm really not good at marketing. Ron Trimper is the king of marketing. I am not. Um, and John Scarborough is a force to be reckoned with and stuff, which I'm absolutely thrilled about. These 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 people are just you know just amaze never end never cease to amaze me. So how did they get there? It was by you know getting out there and showing the world what you've got, and if you can answer questions that people have and and it's an accurate and and beneficial answer. You know, get on there and answer their questions, or at least put your two cents worth in, and then people are going to know who you are. And it is not an instantaneous thing. I think a lot of times people think that they can, you know, just get out there and be a part of everything. Uh, And you can to an extent, but still, we all have to realize that we need to pay our dues, so to speak. So, so to speak. Yeah. Um, when we, you know, when we're coming in as a new uh, as a new entity into the hobby or the business, um, it, it takes time to build the respect and trust, uh, and well, and interest, of course, um, you know, in in the in the public. So, uh, little bits at a time, whatever you're comfortable with, but. You know, it's going to mean instead of watching your ta- favorite show sometimes on TV, which I hardly ever watch TV anymore for that reason, uh, is that you need to you, you know sit and, and and peruse all the social media out there and see what the trends are, see what people are doing, what people are wanting to know, um, and then letting them see what you've got, Mark, and um, you, you have some amazing animals. Yeah, I'm uh, w- I'm working on on uh, uh, posting pictures of the Amarines and and um, kind of kind of learning how to do that. Is, you know, get them edited down to the right size and cropped and so mm-hmm. on. And uh, I've got two up there right now. Um, one of my Amarines and and, and another of my uh, ta- uh, tangerine a uh, tangerine line. And this is um, on your on your River City Gecko's Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just you yeah. know let's just put it out there. So it, any of you people who are listening, you know, you might want to stop by and visit uh, River City Gecko's. Oh. And you. see what he's got, and and see what Mark's got, and keep and just keep it up. It, it's it's like anything else. It's it's uh, you gotta. You, you can't just hit and run. It's it's a it's yeah. a commitment. It's a commitment. It's a life commitment. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Oh it's yeah. Quite it's quite a job uh, on the computer. You know, trying to work out a system of you know of of uh, saving and editing these photos and then sizing them down and keeping everything in uh, orderly fashion. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody has their their own little way of, you know, organizing things and one is not better than the other. It's just a matter of what works for you to keep track and to um 
you know, I have my system, uh, David has his system, everybody else out there has their system, and you will, you have a system, but I, I guarantee as time goes on, you will develop a, a more efficient system. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I'm, I'm finding that, that the simplest way for me to keep track of them is their actual hatch date and either A or B gecko out of the clutch is their mm-hmm. ID number. Mhm. You know, once they hatch out that right. number listed right. as like for instance fifteen fifteen oh oh five oh five for instance. So okay. the year is first that that way they'll always stay in chronological order. There you go. That's smart because mine I don't I go with the month first and then they don't stay in chronological order. So I have to make separate folders for each month of each year. So I like your idea actually better if you put the Put the year first, so that way. Um, yeah, yeah, and then I've, I've got a folder for each one, finished right. and not finished, and so on. Well, you're going to do just fine, and try not to let it overwhelm you. Uh, little bits and pieces at a time, but you know what? Um, people are going to aren't going to just come to you. It's not like if you build it, they will. You know, they will come. It, right. It's uh, it, it's. Uh, more like uh, I would like to invite you to come, <laughs> and here's why. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I get a few, a few more photos up there, then then I'll uh, put in some um, in, invites to like my page. Right? Yeah, okay. Don't feel like you got to give away uh, geckos to, to get likes on your page. Let me tell you, Mark. It's Facebook. When I, when I first uh, um, don't feel like you got to give away geckos and in raffles and stuff to. You know, oh no 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 no! I yeah. can't afford to give away geckos. I, I have, know. I have yeah, well, a I, huge. I I, I invested in, uh, many many thousands of dollars in my breeding yeah. stock. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it. You know, anywhere from depending on what your intention is, you know, it's anywhere from two to five years before you can even break even. In in oh, once you, yeah. you know. So oh, yeah. you're operating in the red for a while, and um, but during that time, is, that's the best time in the world to build your reputation right. and to build yeah. your, build your presence in the community. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. All right. We got a lot of other great topics uh, to get to tonight. Um, I don't want to just uh, focus on just uh, you know one thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Is there anything else we can help you with, Mark? Pardon? Is there anything else we can do for you tonight while we have you? Um, no, I no, I think we should. Uh, uh, think I should let let you uh, get on get on with it. That that covered covered. Uh, I appreciate that. It was um, uh, helpful inspiration. Okay, cool. Um, well, thanks for calling in, Mark. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Mark. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, and and I'm gonna continue listening. Okay. Great. All right. Cool. Okay. Bye bye. And, uh, oh, yeah, Mark, uh, just so you know, we've talked about um, different things about marketing and social media, and, and I believe even on several of Marsh's last shows, too. So uh, we've gotten into different issues and problems we've had and uh, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, so just listen to some of the past episodes with Marsha. And if you if you actually, if you're a new person in the gecko community and you really want to, like, 
hear what's been going on for the last couple of years, just listen to the archive of Declination Radio, and you'll you'll get a good grasp of what's really been going on. And oh my gosh, there is you know, so much information. Things. Things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know those people that actually do that are the ones that are going to figure this out quicker. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started, Marsha, you know, I I learned. Uh, everything the hard way, like I usually do in life, and most of us do. And, you know, the success of my little YouTube channel was just a surprise. I didn't even know, you know, what I was doing. I still don't. I don't really edit my videos. I just post videos and I talk, and the, the, cha- the channel's doing well. I mean, um, Yeah, well, I, that know, doesn't I surprise me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when it, I started, it, it, I did everything wrong, too, but there was nobody, I, I, there was no social media or any other way for people to tell me I was doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, when I first started, and I didn't know what I was doing with genetics, let me tell you, uh, people came out of the woodwork criticizing the hell out of me. And you know what? I want to thank all those people right now because they taught me, yeah, it hurts to be taught that way, but they, that's how I learned. And now I know, mm-hmm. you know, now I know what I need to know to keep going. And, you know, and you know, people that are – I think social media is still kind of new to everybody. We're all still trying to figure out how to behave. And, you know, I think um, – Well, and it's ever-changing, it. too. So keeping just yes. keeping up with it is one thing, but figuring out the protocol and the etiquette is, you know – Right. And you will encounter crazy people. You know, whenever you spot <laughs> one or they start trolling, trolling on your posts, my best advice is to just immediately block them and get them out of your life. You do not have to. Don't even engage uh, it. Exactly. Don't yes. engage yeah. them. Right. You know, there's and, always going to be somebody that's going to, you know, I excuse the term, but I mean, I, I, I used to use the term, there's always going to be somebody out there going to rain on your parade, okay, and or, poop, or there's always going to be somebody out there that poops on your lawn, <laughs> All right, but the thing is that you you know it's it's so easy to get sucked up into that. We it's just so easy to get sucked into it. And you know, I I've, I've been sucked into it myself and you know what? I've straight up. I'm going to tell you straight up. I have created you know <laughs> drama and and stuff like that in the past, okay? And it really was not very beneficial. So, you know, you're right. Just when this kind of stuff pops up, uh, and if people aren't willing to give you, like you said, criticism, uh, a lot of critical, and unless it's constructive, blow it off. Blow right. it off. Unless somebody's willing to you know, work with you or or make suggestions instead of telling you you're all messed up and forget it and you're an idiot and, you know, those those kind of things, you know, are designed, those kind of people out there are, you know, they this it's their nature to try to take you out by the kneecaps, you know what? Mm-hmm. And that's just totally unnecessary. It's just not necessary. So well, they got bigger problems. Those people have bigger bigger problems. If they're you know behaving. There like you that. go. You're, 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 you're going to encounter online bullies every once in a while, but you know it's you know sometimes in the beginning it's like you don't expect that it's new something new to deal with, but you know once you once you deal with a couple of these folks, you know it's like all right whatever. You don't even, it doesn't even affect <laughs> you anymore. <laughs> you know just get you know and. Just keep going and doing what you're doing. That's what I. That's learned. right. And, That's right. And if you yeah. have an opportunity to learn something, 
I don't care how if I don't care if you've been around for 20 years or 2 years. If you have an opportunity to learn something that's very pertinent that could benefit first of all your animals, number 2 mm-hmm. you and and number 3 your your customer base or your fan base or whatever you, you know wherever you're at in this then you know learn it learn it and figure out how you can incorporate it into your own personal specific unique way of doing things yeah absolutely all right, why don't we talk a little bit, before we forget, Marcia, why don't we talk a little bit about those sun gloves? Um, mm-hmm. Let's see, I'm going to ch- I'm gonna check and see. Okay, the question came from Jason Gallant. I know Jason. Um, he's he's definitely someone that's uh, very interested in, in the Leopard Gecko uh, game right now. So, Jason, his question is, how about with sun gloves? I hear and see sun gloves that are not baldies, and sun gloves are being mixed with other genetics. Are they still true sun gloves? And how can people tell if they are a true sun glove? Um yeah, that, this is a good point. And you know what? Sometimes, even when I breed your pure um, sun gloves, Marsha, I get some banded versions that don't ever, yep. you know, and they, you, you, I mean, can you still call it a sun glow? I call it a tangerine bio at that point because I, I always thought that a sun glow, a true sun glow, is a, the albino version of a, a super hypo tangerine caratel. It doesn't necessarily have to be a baldy, but it's, you know, it's a, a, a hypo tangerine caratel, right? I mean, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, you want me to set the record straight? Set it straight. Tell it like it is. It's going to implicate me, too. That's okay. But I'm going to tell everybody out there listening straight up right now yeah. that mm-hmm. the only that, – that, that Craig Stewart from Urban Gecko Uh-oh. created his tangerine albino line – with with what he what he claims is without the influence of any super hypo tangerine carrot tail. That's okay. impossible, okay? Uh well, I, I'm not going to say one way or the other. That's what he claims. And he mm-hmm. coined the name Sunglow. I mean, okay. there's 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 sunrises, there's sunsets, there's you know. I actually at one point entertained the idea of um, calling my my quote unquote sun glow line golden glows because they were from Golden Gate geckos. But then mm. I thought, you know, I really don't. And again, you don't want to be one of those. <laughs> this is going to be like I'm going to be. I, I somebody's going to take this wrong, but. I really don't have the hugest ego of all that that I need to name any morph after Golden Gate geckos or or after me or anything like that because I'll tell you what my sunglow line the only reason I call them sunglows is because the name caught everybody started calling their their um their super hypo uh carrot tail uh trimper albinos sunglows but yeah. in reality i'm going to this is the god's honest truth the only morph that that deserves or that carries the name sunglow would have 
had its start somewhere with, you know, Craig Stewart and Urban Geckos. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. you know what? This marketing thing, and you know, this comes up a lot, especially on social media lately. And I, and I'm just going to give a couple examples, and I'm not trying to like bash anybody or anything like that. I'm just going to we're just going to spin here a little bit, Marsha, and I'm just going to tell you my mm-hmm. observations and you know some of the conflicts that I've seen out there. All right, um, you know, for instance, we've seen. Uh, like, like somebody will buy a, a breeder will buy a a, a bandit from Ron Tremper, for instance, and you know from then I'm on, sorry, a bandit or a bandit? Bandit, a bandit. Okay, okay. Somebody okay. buy a bandit from Ron Tremper, and they'll call it. They'll name that bandit. They'll give it a name, and we all seen Zorro bandits by uh, designer geckos, and they're really nice bandits. Um, but it seems that people now, because they've been given this name Zorro. There's like two different types of bandits: Zora bandits and bandits. Well, they're all bandits. They're just from. They're bandits. You know, exactly. Exactly. And it confuses. That, it confuses people, and it does. It kind of, and it kind of annoys some people too, because you know. Well, I've gotten like, into well, some pretty, you know, some pretty heated, you know, wars with people over. Would you please stop <laughs> naming morphs that already exist? Your, put your own spin on it. Don't. It just makes it. It makes it hard on me because I'm an old lady. But it makes it even harder on the new people who are trying to make sense out of certain bloodlines and whatever. Yeah. Um. My quote unquote sun glows. Um. I do have a little bit of um I do do have a little bit of urban gecko influence in my sun glows and I also have a little Tangelo, bit right? of yeah Ron's Tangelo influence in there it's obvious mm-hmm. to anybody who would see these babies um and I I will say that the females and, and maybe to some extent the males go through a hormonal color change and then it'll revert back uh, when they're gravid or ovulating, where you will see, yeah. you will actually see like the little white areas on their back that at one time when they were babies were bands, you know. So you have a solid gecko, and then she starts laying eggs, and all of a sudden she'll have a little bit of that white you know, area in the back that is so, that is, you know, so prevalent in uh, Ron's, uh, you know, uh, um, oh, my brain just went kaput, you know, in the Tangelo line. Yeah. But I will say, I got it, I'm going to say straight up again, I'm going to be perfectly honest, I have nothing to lose, I'm retiring, so if I piss people off, please forgive me, <laughs> but, but well, there's, you know we just... We really got to get this information out there, and I don't know of too many people who've been around long enough to, first of all, know the history, and second of all, have the backbone to, you know, come right out and say it. And I'm going to do that. I've always been very honest. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't. I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm telling it the way it is. That's it. Okay. Just to give you, can I give an example too? 
Um, you bet. I, I, yeah, I have uh, my own. It's not my own line, but I mean, after four four years now, I kind of consider it my own line. I have a nice line of bells here that um, I got from your stock and from another breeder's stock, Marsha. And um, the mail that I got from someone else is very interesting and different. And I name a few of my my males here just so I keep my records. And his name is Van Gogh because I kind of think he would. Right, I've seen Gogh. some of your Van Gogh geckos, and they're very distinct. Well, I don't call them Van Gogh geckos. I call them, you know, sired by Van Gogh or sired by right, my, right. No, so but some the people out there have kind of, you know, spun it as Van Gogh bells. Now, and then other people are thinking that I marketed like that, and I'm not marketing my my geckos like that. I'm just saying they're sired by a particular gecko. Right. I call Van Gogh. Now that. I'm trying to keep it from becoming confused because then people are like, well, what's the difference between a Van Gogh bell and, and a regular bell? What's the difference between a Zorro bandit and a regular bandit? You know what I mean? That's right. What's confusing people. And, you know, they're still just bells. Mine are, mine are just bells. It's just right. geckos right. that are and, and so, from a particular male. Well, okay. And, and I think that that's great. I mean, we've done that with giants. I mean, we're talking everybody drops the name moose, you know, moose offspring. You know that yeah, kind of stuff well, because moose was probably the, the you know one of the most world famous geckos with a name out yeah. there. So you know by naming the you know uh, by the way uh, <laughs> never mind. But anyway, no, I mean it's a way of identifying them. Correct. Yeah. That that they came from this sire and this is what he produces. Um, unfortunately, we don't give the females much credit. <laughs> we don't really. But you know what? These marketing these marketing gimmicks work, though, Marsha. They do. You know, I, they do. I'm not going to resort to it, but you know, these things are so. In, well, because then I'm the guy that changed the bells to Van Gogh bells. I don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want to create a distinction between you know bells like that. I'd rather just say it. I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not okay. trying to bash anybody for their marketing tech. Everybody's going to sell their animals. I get it. It's all cool. Do what you got to do. Right. Um, no, I understand. Saying, I I, to- I totally know, do. I totally do. I mean, I could have called my line of, you know, uh, Murphy Patternless. Of course, I, we had to start calling them Murphy Patternless when Ron threw the P in Aptor and Raptor and messed everything up. Ron, I love you to death, and but you know what? <laughs> it really, really threw a wrench in the works. So people are thinking, people they okay, know, we get yeah, this after Raptor. Does it does it have patternless in it? No. Right, yeah. So then we had instead of <laughs> you know instead of you know what I'm talking about is marketing. I'm right. Not, and and we please people out there please. If you're going to market, let's market. And, again, I am not the best marketeer at all. Um, but but the, but I do have longevity and I do have staying power. But still, <laughs> you know, think. Think, you know, what, you know, what, how, what kind of impact is this quote-unquote, quote, new name for an existing morph Gonna have. It usually pisses. It usually pisses off the people that originally, you know, 
created the said morph and developed it over years and years, and they're like, and who well, didn't really? who didn't have such a big ego that they you know, uh, <laughs> get, you know, named it after themselves other than Rainwater, Trimper, and Bell. Well, let me ask you this: This is something. This is something that comes up quite a bit, Marcia. We just mentioned in the Raptor. Okay, Raptor, according to Ron, and you know what, Ron created the Raptor, so you know I I respect and totally appreciate his work on that, of course. Absolutely, and, you know, and we all owe Ron. We owe Ron more than we can even say. You know, uh, right. we owe him for the for the. You, you, we just owe him everything. Well, we and do. Here's, and here's something that comes up once in a while. Now, a true raptor, according to Ron, is a um, uh, the breakdown for, for the raptor is red-eyed, um, albino, tremper, orange. Now, no, P. That, forget the patternless. Oh, the uh, raptor, aptor. Right, the, the P is right. patternless. Yeah. Now some now some of us, including myself, are now calling temporal albino eclipses raptors because when you because it's easier and I think you know, we're and there's this this causes some confusion with new hobbyists and you know, people kinda like, All right, well, according to Ron, a raptor is, you know, red eyed orange, tremper patternless I mean I'm sorry. Red eyed uh patternless albino orange. Patternless tremper orange. So why, yeah. orange. So why are you calling a tremper eclipse uh, a raptor when it doesn't have the pattern of stripe or the orange in it? Uh, well, and, you're right. You know, and I remember the first time that the banded raptor was introduced. Right. Okay. Um, by Ron. And I remember so emailing him and going, okay, as if I wasn't confused before. Uh, if it's patternless, why is it banded? And right. So why we right? And no, I don't think anybody's at fault here. I just think it just no, 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 no. And that's not to. These are just examples for the, those listeners out there that are just scratching their heads, going, "Wait, wait a minute. This we're already. This discussion is already getting past my comprehension." Um, right, we're not bashing anybody. We're just talking about current no, marketing no. trends and stuff. Right. Yeah. So, but I think well, because I think why we have raptors like this that are just tremper eclipses now. I think that's because when the Bell eclipse came around, people called it a radar. And now with the rainwater eclipse, it's a typhoon. So typhoon. What's a tre- what's a tremper eclipse then? Well, you're not going to give it a new name. So you're going to, you know. Call it a raptor. Well, raptor raptor is a well-known name, and I think that the majority, not everybody, but the majority of people out there are are like okay with the term raptor. Right, we're cool with that. But what we don't, what we didn't know at that time when they were created and and marketed, was that the R in raptor. <clears throat> which was nothing but a red-eyed aptor, and we found later that the majority, if not all, aptors were, quote-unquote, het for raptor. Um, we didn't understand that there was a completely separate eye gene going on. Yeah. Totally right. separate eye gene. 
it, it's not a package. When you look at a Raptor, you're looking at a combination of a stripe with a reverse stripe, which cancels out everything. You're talking about the, the beginning of the Tangelo line because they're orange. They're Trimper albinos, and they have the red eye is the albino expression of the eclipse gene, which is completely separate. Mm-hmm. I don't think that people caught on. It wasn't in, it, it, in the beginning. It wasn't until uh, a lot of more, a lot of, a lot of more. That's really good English, isn't it? Uh, more people uh, that started working with the raptor genetics in crossing with other things. Um, did we start to understand that the um, eclipse gene was the one that was responsible for creating the red eyes in the albino. So whether it's a trimper, a rainwater, or a bell, that red eye is a completely separate gene. It is the eclipse gene. It is the albino expression of the eclipse eye gene. Yep. Which is which we've discovered is recessive. So, but we didn't. But we didn't know that before. We didn't start. You know, we didn't start realizing that there was an actual separate. Now, see, and then at first, um, you know, uh, all super snows have solid black eyes. Does that mean mm-hmm. they're eclipsed? Right. No, no, it doesn't. We've we've tried. It's tried and true. It's not the same gene. No, it's not. Okay, I have had blizzards over the years that have solid or black or even snake eyes. You know what? It's not the same gene. Not the eclipse gene, right. Nope, it is not. It is a gene that's indigenous just to the blizzard or just to the super version of the Max Snow. And so now we're throwing in a, a big old, another whole wrench in the works to stir everything up and confuse people and make them so frustrated that they throw their hands up there and go, well, what do I got? We've got to help them create another albino strain, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, there's been some claims. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know what? There's all kinds of possibilities, but, you know, everybody hopes to, you know, hatch out the the next, you know, random morph mutation, genetic mutation, you know, so that they can, you know, and if they don't market it right, then they won't be able to run to the bank (laughs) with with all the money. Another thing, uh, we see a little bit of a trend in, uh, going on, and, and, you know, this is something I don't particularly agree with on many different levels. And, uh, you know, it seems like we have some new hobbyists that are, you know, doing well, create, you know, breeding their geckos, and but uh, maybe they're not doing that great marketing them, or, you know, they're only limiting themselves to Facebook. They're not spending any money on advertising or anything like right. that. So they're finding it ho- they're finding it hard to sell their animals on Facebook because look wants you to pay to promote your your ad. They don't. They're not yes. going to send people to your your stuff without getting the taste from it. And so people are out of desperation. They're they're just you know they're doing these these auctions, which are a failure for the most part because 
you know, morphs that are worth 100 dollars are going for thirty bucks. Is that because nobody's finding these auctions? And you know, whatever. But I got to tell you, auctioning living animals it just doesn't sit right for me. In fact, I tried a couple auctions myself just to see what it was like. And mm-hmm. I didn't. Number one, I I didn't feel right about it. And number two, I was like, well. You know, I I can understand why some folks are going to do this, and if they want to do it, that's God bless them. You know, salute. Do yeah. Anything. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not for me, and I don't want to promote it. I don't I don't feel it's uh, advantageous for for the community for the hobby. That's my opinion. And no, I, sure I don't either. I think it sets a precedent of you know paying uh, a lot less than what a morph is worth. Uh, and uh, okay, let's face it. We're all consumers. We're all consumers. We all want the best price for the best product. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us do. That's what happens when you live in a capitalistic environment like the United States. We are really driven by, you know, marketing and by getting the most for the least amount of money. Right. Okay. And so, personally, I have never auctioned off any of my animals, with the exception of when it was a uh, benefit for like wounded warriors or or for yeah. you know you, you know some benefit where I, I donated an animal, and quite frankly, fortunately, the majority of the time the animals. You know, went their their auction price went in 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 a couple cases even exceeded what I would have sold it for. So mm-hmm. um, so that's great. But no, I, I think that um, you know I think that that puts people in, when I hear auction, I think, and this is just me. Okay, I'm being very candid. Um, the the older I get the more like the mean old gecko lady I get. I just kind of like say it like it is. But the thing is, when I hear people auctioning off all their anim- their, their animals and stuff, I hear you've got way too many and you can't sell them. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. So rather than sell them on the open market underpriced, which really upsets other breeders... I mean, you know, you you we've worked hard to we've worked hard to develop and create and produce what we have. And yep. if somebody else overproduces or then they throw it up for auction and in and I don't know, I kind of take it as a deme- as a demeaning type thing where I can't compete with auction prices. Yep. Right? Well, I so, think it sets a, it sets a, it sets a like a, a precedent too, where they're kind of like destroying their own market. Because then, what if they, what if next year they want to sell those same geckos for three hundred dollars yeah, or something? Yeah, that's a good you point. Know, yep. nobody's going to want to buy them because they're going to remember. Well, last year you were auctioning, you were auctioning right. for fifty bucks each. I mean, what? Yeah. Why, and then, and then, as far as investors go, why would anybody want to invest in that person's line of animals at that point? Because you know they're they're not worth any resale value. Like you know, what am I gonna what am I gonna do to right go to right? It devalues it, it devalues the you know, uh, yeah. 
Oh, I understand so, completely. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm not criticizing. I'm saying that, yeah, you know, right, looking yeah. back over over 20 years of breeding and geckos and dealing with the public and seeing it go through these exponential changes of how things are communicated and now marketed and you know that kind of thing it it, it it's like uh wait a minute if people really knew how much work was involved in you know and and not just I don't okay work that makes it sound like it's a job um the investment of time love energy and everything else money. is demeaning money. well exactly right. and the money of course it, yeah. it just it, it it it's it it's self defeatist yeah it's kind of like i don't know and it's an, it's a relatively new thing that we're seeing over the last couple of years i mean one of the things that kind of bothers me too is some of these auctions you, you know, there's show bidders, like fake accounts to get the prices up higher because there's not enough people, you know, bidding. And show bidding is illegal in many, in any other environment with, yeah. you know, uh, with auctioning. And yeah, but, you know, auctions I, on there's Facebook nobody, have, they don't, they're not regulated. Right, right. They're not regulated and, like they are on eBay or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I know. That's, they yeah, will the be thing, if they though. keep going. They'll, they'll wind well, up getting regulated. Well, that'd be a good thing in a way. But the main thing is, I don't feel that we should be auctioning off living animals. I don't. It just doesn't feel right. I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but I, I know a lot of people do agree with me. Um, I could see auctioning off, like you know, ca- cars, of course, or um, you know, video games or whatever, you know, material things, but. But these are living, breathing, beautiful, gentle creatures. Right. They're alive. They are. They they they're sentient. They have. They're aware. They are. You know. They're not. Again, that's that. You know. And I've always been a, a, a proponent that. You know these animals. For me, even though I'm a breeder, even though I'm selling them and that type of thing, it might sound kind of like, well, I don't care how it sounds. They are not inventory items. Yeah. You 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 put things on sale that are inventory items that didn't sell the way your marketing people thought they would or your buyers, you know, in retail. You you know auctioning things off is you know acquiring things at uh, you know at a at a very very low price and then going out and reselling them at at retail you know prices. Yeah. Uh, I, these are living creatures. They are not inventory items. And if someone if, if someone out there, and we've all been there, trust me. You know what? In 20 years, this is the first year I have six geckos left over from the 2014 season. Do you know that that's the first time I have e- that has ever, ever, ever 
happened to me, and it's my own fault because I haven't been promoting myself mm-hmm. or my geckos. You I, know, don't this, my- so, I don't see this happening in the bird community or the horse community or even the dog community. I don't see people auctioning dogs or auctioning uh, thoroughbred horses. I mean, unless I'm missing something. Um, I don't think so happen- either. Why do, you, why do you think this is happening just in the reptile community? Because reptiles are overall, overall they are uh, uh, looked at as disposable pets. Hmm. By some people, perhaps. Well, then, then auctioning them at low prices keeps that that thing going. Like if you spend three hundred dollars, yes, it does. It perpetuates the disposable. Pet mentality. It does. If you if you pay three hundred dollars for a really nice gecko, or you pay a thousand dollars for a really nice ball python, not only are you going to be much more concerned about its well-being, unfortunately, because money does that, but you know, I think for the resale value too. Like, um, you know, eventually, uh, see, then it's confusing too. Well, here's Brooke brought up a good point too, and I agree with Brooke. You know, here's what she says. Um, hold on one second. Let me find it, Brooke. Hi, Brooke. I'm not on chat, so I can't see what people are putting up there. Yeah, well, I'm sitting up in the Sierras saying, right now, and I'm lucky to have phone. <laughs> I'm lucky to have phone uh, service right now. So she's basically saying that uh, you know, unknown breeders, unknown folks that you know uh, are new, like what Mark was talking about too. Um, nobody knows who they are. No, they don't have a reputation. You know, they may post a lot of things on Facebook, but who really knows them and who really knows their character and their business ethic and this whatnot? So are they actually going to be able to get, uh, you know, the same amount of money that they paid for more? So if somebody invests in, you know, your your great sunglows and your great sunglows go for 200 or more, you know, are they going to be able to produce babies and get that same price from Probably not. Probably not. Okay, but on the so flip side of that, I I may be selling mine from two to three hundred, depending. But but Craig Stewart sold his for nine hundred and eight hundred. I don't think people are really paying those prices though. I don't know. Well, really? I I don't know. I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but the yeah. thing is that no. When you know, and that's that. It's so, and I hate to, you know, think that 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 there's so much potential out there for the future of the, you know, of of leopard gecko breeding, and there's just so many people out there that just have so much potential, but that yet I think a lot of them are getting drowned out by the 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 people that expect. To have instant, you know, uh, credibility. You, they expect to have instant, you know. Well, so and so, you know, sells their so and their such and such for five hundred bucks. I should be able to get it for five hundred bucks. You know what? That's not true. That doesn't happen. There's a, and it's sad because, but the, but here's the here's the good point. Here's the good part of this. The people who are in it strictly for the money, 
are short lived. Yeah, because they don't get what they. Yeah, you're right. They, they don't. don't the they come out. come out and expect to be, you know, respected and expect to be, you know, reputable and expect to get the prices for their animals that other people do. And when they don't, they they come and go. We've all seen that. We've all seen people come and go. And it, I think it's even more so nowadays than it ever has been. But, yeah. you know, but the thing is, too, that we all have to realize that there's a certain um, a, a amount of, you know, stay with it power, so to speak, um, I wrote a I wrote an article for Ge- uh, Gecko Time uh, on you know that covered some of those things. On it was called you know two decades as a leopard gecko breeder as a gecko breeder. You know I urge you guys to go read that. Although it's a small article, but it it hits on topics of you know what is going to keep you above water for twenty years. Mm-hmm. What does it take? Well, like first the real of all, market. well, right. exactly. There you go. I mean, there's lots of different markets like that. And again, I I want to say I'm a, not a good marketeer, but the thing is that um, you know there are certain attributes you have to be realistic. Got to set realistic goals, and you have to set realistic expectations. And everything else, but you know what? You, you there's no way that a new person now can come in and just have the instant credibility that somebody like Julie at you know uh, Gecko Ranch or you know Albie uh, or even myself. Or yourself, yourself. Yeah, you I, you're just it. It ain't gonna happen. First yeah, time out. That, that takes. That takes time. It's earned, yeah. So through attrition, when people get discouraged over the fact that they can't sell their animals for the same price that, you know, Albie sells his for, uh, they they just fall off the they fall off the off the off the face of the earth, so to speak. It's the people who are willing to have the staying powder power and say, you know what? I'm going to hang in there. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue to look at new avenues of, you know, marketing myself, my animals. Uh, I'm going to bone up. I'm going to learn every possible thing I can learn and be an expert. You have to be an expert. And even an expert learns things all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, so I don't want to encourage people, discourage people, excuse me, out there that is, um, uh, you know, that are starting out because it's tough. It's tough. And it's like it's heartbreaking for some people, you know, out there to they get so frustrated and whatever. And it's – and. You know, I feel it, bad for them. I feel bad. For I do them, too. Really I'm like, do. wait a minute, don't give up. 
Don't you, give you don't up. You don't have to resort to those, to those things. Other, That's you know, right. Other, Just yeah. keep going and, 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 you know, really take a good, hard look at what your motives are and what your expectations are. If your motives are to be... I'm sorry? Hold on one second. Hold on one second, Marsha. Hold that thought. Just want to let everybody know. We're going to go into a little bit of overtime. If you want to hear the rest of the show live, you're going to have to call in and listen at this point. Or you can download the show when we're done, which will be in a little while. But the calling number is 646-478-5331. Okay, that will let you hear the end of the show. We're going to be going into the recorded segment in 25 seconds. seconds. So go ahead, Marsha. Sorry about that. Wow. I always use up a lot of space, don't I? I have a lot to say, huh? But that's good. This is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. I think what we're been... I think what we're talking about right now is going to be very helpful to some of the new people out there that are finding it frustrating to market their animals and to figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Number one, yeah. I think the biggest problem is the biggest problem is people are only focusing on Facebook. That's it. Or maybe Instagram. You know, but you know. You got In order to sell, you have to spend on advertising. So mm-hmm. you got to put yourself out there. At least put do some free YouTube videos or something. You know, and it's going to take YouTube time. YouTube is great thing. because you know that that's a great. And, and of course, I don't like doing videos because I don't want anybody to see what I really look like. <laughs> Just kidding. But no. But the thing is <laughs> that yeah, you you. But but see that comes with doing your research. If you're putting all your eggs in the Facebook basket, you're only going to get response from people who are on Facebook. If that, because of the algorithms are so strict now. There you go. You don't even. Yeah. You don't see much on uh, on Facebook. I mean, there gecko. Yeah, yeah. Geckoforums.net has has been. I was the very first member. On geckoforums.net, almost 10 years ago. Huh. And that's because I was administrator and I cheated and I got in a day early. (laughs) And I I admitted it. I said, okay, I cheated, I cheated. I just wanted to be the number one, the first. (laughs) But geckoforums.net is a a valuable resource uh, for for, uh, gecko people. Uh, And it's a great place to share. And it's a great place to to get into debates, even though debates are fine, but heat and heated arguments are okay. What's not okay is drama and slashing, and you know those kind of things are okay. And I strongly re- tell everybody strongly resist getting involved in that. Just walk away from it. You won't yeah, laugh. It, it is. But Geckos Unlimited is another great resource, although they are, uh, you know, they have a more, a bigger cross section of uh, gecko species that they have forums for and whatnot. Uh, it's not as strong for leopard geckos, but it's a mm-hmm. valuable resource. And there are people on there that are PhDs, doctors, people in Australia who've gone to the gone out to the bush and done research there is a plethora of you know expert information 
on 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 Geckos Unlimited. It's it, it is I should say it's unlimited, but it is limited as far as the leopard gecko uh, community goes. But it, it's still a valuable resource. But see, before you start, you know, deciding on where you want to start plugging yourself or um, you know, paying for advertising and whatnot, you need to sit and do your research. You need to go on all these places. You need to, you know, you need to lurk. You need to go through and and see if it's the the kind of environment that that you know would that that your your business or your you know um, that, that that your animals. Um, would benefit from, and that yeah. takes research. And and one of the things, one of the biggest gripes I have today is that so many um, young people, and to me, okay, I'm a great grandmother. Do you know what that means? That means that <laughs> I'm a mother, a grandmother, and my grandchild has given birth to a child. That makes me a great grandmother. So I'm an old lady, okay, and if I can adjust as well as uh, I know how to do into this, then anybody can. But the 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 problem is that you know, you know the the way we communicate with each other today is totally different than we you know than when I was a kid. We didn't even have a TV for Pete's sake until I was like in first grade. But but the thing is that we have to adapt. We adaptability is a <clears throat> is a really strong thing that we need to focus on and address. Even if we have to, you know, even if we have to negotiate or or whatever, that's the way it is. Yeah, and so I find that a lot of young people today don't want to look anything up. They don't want to much, research. Too much effort. <laughs> it takes too much effort. They don't want to look it up. They don't want to go on on geckoforums.net and go through the archives <clears throat> and see what, you know, Marsha McGinnis from Golden Gate Geckos posted 9 years ago about the same question or questions that are being answered or being asked and answered today. It's too much trouble. It's kind of like I I dealt with this with my grandkids, and I'm sure I will with my great-grandchildren. Just, you know what, just tell me. Or just send me a link. Or just, you know, do it for me. (laughs) (laughs) I get a lot of that. I get a lot of those, yeah. those kind of questions from people on Facebook and stuff, and I, I don't answer them all the time because that by answering them, making it so easy, it actually is a disservice to them because you know the, they're not putting the effort in. You, you gotta, you know, it, the reward comes with the effort. I think you, you know, that you, is that needs to be highlighted, underlined, and in bold. Right. What right. you just said. Yeah. What I just think? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. The reward the reward comes with the effort. So like Exactly. You know, that that's that goes back to like, you know, when when your parents buy you something 
expensive and you don't take care of it because you didn't actually spend the money or you didn't earn the money to pay for it yourself. When you mm-hmm. actually have to save up the money or work for something or, you know, you're going to appreciate it and take care of it that much more. It's going to be, mm-hmm. it's going to be precious to you. And right. you're not going to, you're going to do what it takes to keep it going, especially if it's a living animal. And that goes back to the pricing. And when, th- when animals are, are so cheap, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of great people out there that do take great pride and great care of animals that they buy very cheaply. But then there's other people that, you know, oh, it was only a $15 leopard gecko from Petco. I'm not going to take it to the vet. You know, the, the that vet is the cents. disposable pet mentality that I'm talking about. Yes, right, right. So, you know, and, you know, those types of people are, a lot of them are beginners in the hobby, and I think it's great that, you know, I don't care where you get your first gecko from or your first reptile, as long as it gets you in the hobby and you, maybe some of you move on and enjoy this like, like a lot yeah, of us do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, I agree. But remember, you got to remember, though, these are living things and problems, they're very unpredictable, and problems are going to happen, and you got to be prepared for that. That's why I try to tell people, you know, yeah, you might spend $15 on a gecko, but a gecko like that, you know, has a higher risk of having issues and problems. And that $15 gecko may cost you 200 out of debt a month later. So why not? If you're willing to pay get- it, most people won't. Right, my, right. My, okay, my, my way of dealing with that kind of thing is, do you really want to buy an animal from a store that specializes in animal food and supplies? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. So that tells you where their interest lies, okay? And I'm not, I'm not putting down. I'm just not. It's like, okay, so you go to, you know, a big box store X. They have a sale on leopard geckos. They're fourteen ninety nine, seventeen ninety nine, or whatever. Where they're going to make their money is to sell you a tank, an under-tank heater, plus an overhead light, plus a a crushed walnut substrate, plus, uh, you know, all this, you know, they're going to, where they make their money is selling, you know, selling you all the stuff that you really don't need. (laughs) Right, exactly. Okay, Um, I'm going to give you a straight up, this is, I, I hope I'm not going too far off the subject here, but. My niece, uh, my niece, who um, I have several nieces. I'm not going to mention which one it is. Bought a leopard gecko from a big box store, which really put me out. Yeah, why would she come to you? (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, you know what? I would give you. (laughs) I would have disowned her for that, Marcia. Well, I was just like, what and what <laughs> were you thinking? I'm Marsha McGinnis from Golden Gate Geckos. Well, it wasn't that. Say. It was just like, you silly thing. <laughs> I've got, you know, you could take your pick and I would give, them to, give you one. A healthy, beautiful okay. gecko, right. Yeah. And and when people say, well, why why should I buy buy a gecko from you? And I'm uh, you know when I can get one for fifteen bucks, and I'm going, well, you know what? What you get when you buy a gecko from Golden Gate Geckos is me. <laughs> you get me too. You, you know, come with nobody... me. You go to the house and 
you move in and all that? What? Yeah, well, only if they, only if they are really good cooks. But you know, <laughs> but 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 the thing is, I get a message from her that says my little gecko that I got in February isn't doing well. She's losing weight. I don't think she's eaten for at least two weeks, and her tail's starting to get skinny. Mm-hmm. And this is text messaging. And I'm yeah, like, I get these I, all the time. Yeah, and I'm like, um, I think this warrants a phone call. Yeah. And I hear, and then the message was, well, if that's easier for you. And I'm like, hell yes, it's easier for me. I freaking have <laughs> arthritis in my fingers and thumb already. <laughs> you know? Just like you're going to have when you're 40. <laughs> you know? But anyway, so the phone call was this, all right? So she, she, you know, I went through the typical questions. What, what's your heat? You know, is it under, is it belt? You know, all the typical questions that you first ask someone when there's a problem with their animal. You want to make sure that their environment and everything else is correct, right? Yeah. Okay, so... She says, well, uh, I said, what are you feeding the gecko? What What are you trying to feed her? And she says, well, I got this kind of, you know, bottle of uh, Fluker's Calcium Plus D3. And I said, okay, but what are you feeding her? Well, they told me that this is all she needed. I oh said, my Who's God. They? Are you serious? Listen, I'm not kidding you. This is no lie. This is no lie. Oh my God. So when she went back and said, I don't think this gecko's eating, they sold her a can of dehydrated fruit flies. <laughs> oh my God. Yep. This just went down yesterday. Oh my God. And this is yeah, these that's are crazy. these are this is my own niece, you know, who I should spank. But but the you know but the thing is that it's like wait a minute you're not feeding the gecko she's starving she needs food yeah she doesn't need dehydrated you, you know and so what I'm saying is that well the people at the pet store told me that this is what I needed and I'm like you know what. Next time I see you, I'm going to whip your butt because, you know, before you do anything like that, you need to call your Aunt Marsha. Yeah. And so hopefully we can get this little gecko rehabilitated. But I guess I guess the point I'm making is, is there is so much misinformation out there, and social media is responsible for that. How does social media differentiate between legitimate, you know, really legitimate, good information versus, you know, some body that came out from under a rock and say that, well, you know, I mean, you know, just because it's online doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. And so that's the thing that concerns me about, you know, the social media that's out there is how do people that really sincerely love their animals and really want to get a start 
in this hobby and in, and maybe even take it further into a business status and stuff you know how do they how do you separate who you know what information is legit and what's just a bunch of bull you know it, it that's that's the tough part and well, again it's our show and you got to well, you know, follow yeah. the horns and and uh, you know get some good reading it's good book re- reading material you know a good well book it is it. and yeah and the more you read if it poses questions that's good then you know then you need to be able to seek out where those questions can be answered and um so it's tough i think it's really tough i thought it was tough when i started out because there was no source of reference at all. I did but you everything. the best way. I did everything wrong, everything possible I did wrong. Mm-hmm. And my gecko still survived. <laughs> That's but, a good thing but, about electric geckos. They're tough. Yeah, you know, it takes an awful lot of neglect and whatever to, you know, they're pretty tough and resilient little creatures. But... And then I see the 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 vast numbers of people out there now that are, you know, keeping and raising and even breeding leopard geckos and stuff. And it's like, how does anybody get their start? How? I wish I could tell you this is the formula. I was talking with a, a customer a friend of mine uh, just a couple of days ago, and she suggest, she, she's she been asking me some questions about how to start out. And, you know, my prior, because I get a million messages, my priorities are to customers first. And that's just right. the, that's a, that's a good way to do things. So, um, you know, whenever a customer asks a question, they're always priority. And um, so she's been asking me some questions about getting started, and I've been helping her the, the best I can. And uh, I've been trying to direct her to good sources of information and everything. And uh, so far, so good. I mean, she hasn't really gotten to the point where she's selling anything, but she's getting comfortable with the shipping. I've told her how to properly ship and make her labels and this and that. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, that, and that's good. And, and, here, and that's, the, that's the benefit of spending money with a good breeder, you know, because you're going to get that, that one-on-one help. That you need, right? Um, you're not going right. to get you're not going to get that from Petco. You're likely not going to get that from the auction guy. You're, no. you know, you you've got to. That's the benefit of you know dealing with a reputable breeder. And you know, sometimes some people say, you know, especially in the ball python world, you know, when you're when you help your customers too much, you're actually helping a new competitor rise up. And you know, I don't know. Have you ever? felt that way about any of your uh customers no. Marcia? No. no and 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 I'll tell you why uh, and yeah, I, I have I have mentored many many people and I'm pretty picky on who I invest that much time and energy on with mm-hmm. and I have mentored many many people some of them yourself included uh, yeah. have gone on to just leave me in the dust, literally. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Let me finish. All right, all right, all right. 
but that there is nothing more rewarding as a quote unquote teacher than to see a quote unquote student excel and thrive and go forward. Yep. Okay. Exactly. A lot of people uh, may not realize this, but I was a dance teacher for many years. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing more rewarding than to teach somebody something and see it happen before my very eyes. But what was even better was when the, the few people, a few of them went on to competition. And I was I also was trained as a judge. Of course, we're talking dancing with the stars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wrong. But still, people say, doesn't that upset you that these people are like, quote unquote, leaving you in the dust? And I'm like, bring on the dust. <laughs> I'm sitting yeah. here watching these people excel and, you know, same with same with leopard geckos. Same with, I mean, I'm watching them take it one step further, two steps further and beyond what I could have ever done. And you know what? For me, that is a success success story. Absolutely. (laughs) Mission accomplished. I get excited when customers start hatching out their first eggs from geckos they bought for me the year before. It's like, wow. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm not afraid of <laughs> I'm not afraid of quote unquote competition. Mm-hmm. Why should I be? I'm in uh, you know, I'm in a niche all my uh, of my own. It, it's it's it makes my heart happy when I see yeah. somebody be successful at this, especially if I have had even the smallest amount of influence on them. Yeah. I have never withheld information. I've always made a point to be as accessible as possible. You know, if somebody's going to be a jerk, I can really, uh, you know, I can I can stand my own, but it but that's few and far between. Yeah. The future of herpetology, her, you know, the the you know the future of geckos and reptile breeding and and hobbying and uh, hobbyists and everything else relies on the new people that are coming on board right now. Yeah, that's true. We have a vested interest in in perpetuating and keeping this hobby and this business or and this community alive. Isn't it great, and though, so, seeing, seeing some new, passionate, respectful, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, res- respectable folks come in? I, I think it's great. I, I really – it keeps me motivated. It know? does me, too. It does me, too. Mm-hmm. So have I ever been jealous of anybody? Well, maybe a little bit. I've been jealous of Ron Trimper's, you know, ability to market things, but not jealous enough to try to copy him. Um, I've been of Ron. Ron Gossel. Ron Ron is his own entity. How, who could who could even begin to, you know, compete with that? 
I'm so, so jealous of him that he was able to find uh, a wife that is just as into geckos as he is. Now, I don't know. And so far, I've struck out in that department. I can't find one like that. But that's why that's what I'm really jealous of. <laughs> well, you know what? For all of you guys out there that are feeling that way about some of us, you know, the good news is we're old. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm not old yet. And you're not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so the chances of you outliving us is like really high. So you know, I I I say take it as a you know t- take it as an invitation to glean as much information to do the Vulcan mind probe on our heads and get as much information out of us while we're still alive. <laughs> I wish I'm kidding, I, I wish course. you and I were the I wish you and I were the same age and it was twenty some years ago I would propose to you, Marsha, I think. What? <laughs> I'm just well, kidding. I just I twenty years ago I was forty and I was still pretty hot back then, so you know. Well I'm 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 thirty nine and I'd love to find somebody just like you someday. So well, We've maybe I'll be great, reincarnated, great but then it'll be then you'll be the old guy, right? Don't women like older men, though? <laughs> Listen, you know what, David? Some things are just ageless. You know what I'm saying? It's like some things just don't have an age to them. They're ageless. I know. <laughs> and I want to keep I want to keep that alive while I can. Um, I you know I have a lot of uh, physical challenges uh, that that are unfortunately you know consuming a lot of my energy. But uh, you know, it, I it's something that I have I I you know that I need to be able to differentiate priorities. And my priority right now is my health. Well, that's good. And, huh? I said that's good. That's what it should be. Well, it might sound selfish for some people, but if I'm not healthy and functioning, then my husband, my family, my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, and my geckos, my dogs, nobody wins. It's a no-win situation. So, I need to really step back and focus on, you know, I, I'm I'm looking at probably the most complicated and risky surgery of my entire life on my birthday, June 3rd. What a birthday oh, present. Yeah. Let's hope it gives me a whole new life. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, Nothing will ever, ever change the way I feel about my geckos and about the hobby and about the people that are in it. The only thing that will change will be my active involvement, physical involvement in it. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm going to be around for a while, um, so you guys just better get used to it. Good. <laughs> we don't want to see you go anywhere. 
And for for those of you who don't know who Marsha McGinnis is or Golden Gate Geckos is, you know what? Do some research. That's right. She is the queen. <laughs> you've been, been through the, You've been you've been through a lot of this whole thing, a lot of the history of the the more faking and and everything, which is really cool. I I would love to have been around to see, you know. Some oh of the my God. Yeah, but you got to figure that when I went to school, there wasn't genetics. We only knew that dark eyes were dominant and dark skin were dominant over light eyes and light skin and that white flowers and blue flowers eventually created white flowers. You know, that's all we knew. And so this has been a challenge for me, too. And if somebody my age and with my stubbornness and, and being set in my ways can make the effort to learn about genetics, even though I can only go maybe three or four different traits. After that, my brain explodes. Uh, <laughs> you know, if I can do it, anybody can do it. That's right. Well, you know what, Marcia, we're half hour over at two hour mark. Why don't we, okay. why don't we uh, close things up? How about um, something last, uh, anything else you'd like to say? Um, no, you know, other clo- than in, in closing. Yeah. In closing, I am always thrilled to be a part of, you know, Gecko Nation Radio. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled to be a part of the Gecko community worldwide, not just the U.S. And you know, I I've worked hard, but I've also gleaned and and reaped rewards that are far beyond anybody's bank account um in the 20 plus years I've been doing this and I and I hope to be around you know for conversations like this or for people who have questions or you know I I I I I hope to be accessible let's just put it that way and I want to thank you with all my heart, David, for, um, you know, doing what you do uh, for the community. Uh, I, there are just no words to express how important and how precious it is. But oh, Thank you. Well, but I mean it. You know I don't say things I don't mean, and it's the truth. It really is. And I am privileged and proud to be a part of it. Well, I love you, I do this because I love this this thing of ours here, and I, I love this. Uh, I love the whole thing. I'm still very enthusiastic. I haven't really lost mm-hmm. passion for this. And you know, it's people like you that you know helped me when I was beginning. You and Ron and others. I mean, you know, who knows if I didn't have you know the guidance from you guys, if I would have kept going. I don't know. You know, it's. Uh, been through some tough times too and you know i geez you helped me through some tough times of mine and i don't know i, I can't even thank you it's just you know it's it's well wow, things aren't necessary because when you're when you really care and you really are involved and stuff it it's a give and take it just it just simply is and yeah. i just i i i want all of those out there listening who are still listening hanging in there with us uh, to know that um, there are there are people out there that are are as passionate and enthusiastic 
as you as you are because and we remember what it was like when when we began and mm-hmm. don't align yourself with people who are negative yeah who will don't just don't align, align yourself with people who have like minds with you that um you know think like you do and have the same level of ethics and you know values that you do mm-hmm. and you and you will do well yeah that's true it's the best way to do it absolutely mm-hmm. well Marcia, it's All been right. a pleasure so, of course as usual looks like we're done great yeah it was a great show i think we got a lot done tonight and uh you know i i wish you the best of luck with your upcoming surgery. I'm sure you will find Oh boy. This is gonna be the worst one of my entire life and I've had this will be my ninth surgery. Oh, boy. Nine. You know. Jeez. And hopefully when, I'll be able to walk. Again? Huh? When is it again? June what? June third, which is actually my birthday. <laughs> June third, yeah. Jeez. I let's just put it this way. I am fighting I am fighting uh paraplegia. Okay. And so I have every intention of, you know, coming through this with flying colors and being around to, you know, harass everybody and finally take down the mean old gecko lady once and for all. I hear she's on a freaking world tour, world vacation or whatever with her little Aleandro guy or whatever. And so the, that's that's good. I don't need her. You know, we don't need her negative influence right now. We need positive well, influence. Well, she let that big gecko go that destroyed San Francisco. So, you know, we can't never forget that. You know? Well, you so, know, San Francisco is very resilient. They've been taken down by earthquakes and fires and floods and, you know, every possible other thing. And San Francisco still prevails. And um, that's <laughs> that's kind of my motto. <laughs> that's great. Some little old lady with a purple hat is just not going <laughs> to, you know, is not going to take down. San Francisco and is not going to take me down either. So you know what? Again, align yourself with people that are positive and disregard all the others. <laughs> I love you all. Thank you, David. Okay. Thank you so much, Marcia. Have a good okay. night, and uh, we'll be in touch right. soon. Thank you. I hope so. Good night. All right. Good night. All right, folks. Great show comes to a close. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play the outro, come back to my closing remarks, and uh, play an awesome song at the end. I hope you guys liked uh, the show tonight. It kind of went off on tangents, but we do that a lot. This show, the second half, turned out to be a marketing uh, segment, so I hope uh, you guys learned a little bit from that. I'll be right back. Gecko Nation Radio is a David Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. 
All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpeticultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpeticultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. All right, folks. Um, another great show comes to close. First off, I'd like to thank all the callers, uh, Mark and Jacob, for calling in tonight. A lot of people were listening on their phone lines. Thank you, guys. Uh, and, of course, to our folks in the chat room, it's always a pleasure. And uh, everybody that continues to share our links, I know a few of you guys do that religiously. I really appreciate that. As you guys know, it's hard to promote on Facebook these days because of the uh, restrictions uh, on the algorithms. We don't have a lot of money to spend on promoting everything. So if you like our show, uh, please share the show links. Share the page once in a while. It'll help us reach new people, um, of course. And also I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, a recap on what we talked about tonight. Um, I think uh, I don't want people to misunderstand our conversation uh, about anything. I think everybody's entitled to do what they want for their collection, their endeavor. Okay, that's your business. You do what you want. I don't have to like it or agree with it. Um, I also don't have to promote it. Okay, that's that's my my way of looking at things. Um, I try to, you know, we all try to do things the way we like and we that we think is best. So, but I, at that at that same time, I'd also like to wish everybody well at what they're doing. Okay, especially the new folks that are finding their way. I know it's tough. I've been there. I, I didn't get to this point without immense struggles. Okay, it was very difficult. Believe me. And um, anybody that's made a name for themselves in this or anything out there has struggled with great difficulty. Um, I've been through a lot. Okay, that's that's part of the process. And, you know, it's not going to come easy. Believe me. So um, I wish you all well out there. I really do. And uh, when you decide to take on breeding animals as something that you're going to do, uh, you have to remember that you're, you know, if you put the effort into this, you're likely going to do well. And you're likely, when I say well, you're likely going to be able to produce a bunch of geckos. Geckos are very prolific, some of them, especially leopard geckos. So you need to have a game plan, okay? Um, you know, just, we talk a little bit about it, just relying solely on Facebook is not going to help you uh, do well as far as marketing your your name, your brand, your animals, or anything. Um, might help you get some exposure. You might meet like-minded people. But uh, there's other things you're going to have to learn how to do. It, it kind of forces you into becoming business-minded because, let's face it, you have to be able to sell your offspring in order to keep going in this. It's, it's not like you produce the geckos and the buyers are waiting there. There's there a lot of people that have the same ideas as you. Okay, you know, I love these geckos. I want to try to do this and make a little money doing it. You and a thousand other people want to do that. So, you know, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some luck, too. And, uh, you know, those of you guys that find all that information will likely make it. And it's not going to happen for all of you. I understand that. Uh, But don't be discouraged either because, you know, just because 
this may not work out for you. Something else likely will. You just got to find out what it is, all right? But, uh, again, I wish you all the very best in this. And um, also, without our sponsors here, you know, we would we wouldn't be having a show. So I'd like to seriously thank our sponsors. First, I'm going to thank our two newest ones. Um, if you guys are in the market for, you know, really high-quality reptile racks and, you know, with good, safe components, you're going to want to check out seaserpents.com, spelled C as in cat, S as in Sam, E-R-P-E-N-T-S.com, and also hotbox incubators. Uh, all racks are not created equal. Uh, a lot of racks are built really good. Um, you're going to want to use the ones that are the best and safest components, and those have uh, FlexLot heat tape. FlexLot is American-made and is the inventor of heat tape technology. Uh, so stick with racks that are made with FlexLot, true FlexLot. Also, uh, check out uh, reptilestickers.com. If you guys like, if you guys need any kind of promotional material with your business or your logo or stickers with your favorite animals, or basically anything, really, uh, or artwork uh, done specifically for you, you're going to want to check out reptilestickers.com and Happy Gecko Sticky Situation on Facebook. All right? Uh, that's Rachel Winchin. She will totally help you out. She's very talented. And uh, just uh, all these different options you have. Um, so definitely check them out. Um, let's see. Dale's Bearded Dragons. If you're going to any of the reptile shows on the East Coast, uh, from Maryland all the way to New Hampshire, you're going to see them there. I mean, they're the biggest reptile supply uh, vendors at these shows. They walk around with the black shirts that have Dale's Breeder Dragons and orange and yellow lettering. Uh, stop by and ask one of, any one of their sales folks uh, for what you need. Mention Gecko Nation Radio. You get a discount, too. All right, so check them out. Um, also online, dalesbreederdragons.com. And uh, they also have a new website devoted to FlexWatt Heat Tape. It's FlexWattHeatTape.com. Okay, so if you guys need heat tape, the good stuff, check out that. Uh, also, AB Dragons. You guys need dubia roaches for any of your insecting reptiles? Check out ABDragons.com. Uh, use the code GECKO, all in caps, at checkout for 5% off. That's exclusive for our listeners. All right, check them out, ABDragons.com. Great dubia, great prices. Uh, GeckoBoa.com, that's John Scarborough. We we uh, talked a little bit about him tonight. Very knowledgeable, uh, ethical breeder. He's got great genetics, the best. Uh, really, really nice bloodlines. Uh, even wild-type leopard geckos like Anger Manus and Fuscus now. So he's got the rarest and newest type of uh, uh, projects that you guys can check out. Uh, that's GeckoBoa.com. Uh, SupremeGecko.com. If you guys like Cresties or Day Geckos or any kind of small, unusual geckos, um, Wally Kern from Supreme Gecko likely has it. He also has a lot of information on his website at Supreme Gecko. So check out SupremeGecko.com. Uh, OhioGecko.com is run by Thad. And uh, Thad also runs GeckoForums.net. We mentioned GeckoForums.net a lot tonight. But if you'd like to check out some of Thad's geckos, He's got some beautiful tangerines, fat tails. He even has his own fat tail morph called the Starburst. Really cool stuff. So check out OhioGecko.com. Uh, all right. And if you're into keeping and breeding reptiles, you got to feed these guys, right? And you want to feed them the best food at the best prices, don't you? All right. Well, that is RainbowMealworms.com. I'm sorry, RainbowMealworms.net. Okay? Make sure you use .net. Um, 
they've been going since 1956. Biggest worm farm in the world. It's like four city. It's like a one whole city block uh, devoted to raising insects. And they have all kinds of stuff besides just worms. But uh, definitely check out rainbowmealworms.net. I use them exclusively here. Most breeders do. Uh, all right. And uh, this may be the last time I'm plugging Reptiles Express, but the site still works. And uh, still have the best prices on shipping. Um, so check out reptileexpress.com if you guys need FedEx labels. And uh, we'll see in the future if we'll still be promoting Reptiles Express. But um, I have no issues with any of the people that work there. They're all great people. Uh, despite any kind of back and forth things you see online, they're, they're good, decent folks that run Reptiles Express, the owners and everything. So, um, all right. Ron Tremper. Of course, we talked about Ron Tremper. Gotta love Ron Tremper. Ron Tremper has given us so much in the leopard gecko community as far as morphs and uh, just knowledge and just amazing animals. Uh, check out leopardgecko.com. And if you're new to leopard geckos and you'd like to learn a little bit about morphs and you have a smartphone, you can download his app called Leopard Gecko Pro. It's actually on the app store is LG Pro. Okay, you'll find it there under LG Pro. And also, uh, he's got a, a care app, which is just like a little instruction manual on how to care for leopard geckos. Just type in leopard gecko care, and uh, you can download that as well. Two great apps. They're essential. I have it. Uh, I have both of them. And it's like carrying a you know encyclopedia and a handbook around you with you on your cell phone. So really good stuff. He also has other apps on shipping and a few other things too. And you can find out the different apps through his website at leopardgecko.com. Uh, last but not least, uh, Daryl Burton. Uh, Daryl and Kate Burton uh, operate longhorn geckos, and uh, Daryl has invested in some really amazing genetics and bloodlines. So uh, definitely check them out, and today is actually Daryl's birthday. So happy birthday, Daryl. I hope everything's well with you if you're listening. All right, cool. All right, folks, uh, another great show com- comes to an end, and we're going to do it again next week. Uh, love doing the show, and uh, we'll see you guys then. Here's an awesome song to take us out, and uh, thanks again for participating tonight. Until next time, folks. Oh
Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Earlier this week, Claire Tippins shared a princess nickname generator, three pictures of her dog wearing a tutu, and two online quizzes, including what candy is your dream castle made of? Claire, your sharing has tipped the sugar scale and turned into oversharing. But have no fear, princess. Geico has something worth sharing with your internet kingdom, like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance just by visiting geico.com. No magic wand required. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.